Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. A uh, quick reminder, you can find Sports Whispers Weekly and the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or you can find us on any of our major podcast networks like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and so forth. And also, if you want to join in on the conversations, uh, the many different conversations around sports, you can join the Sports Whispers group on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash groups slash sports whispers, or you can just search for sports whispers in the search bar and it'll pop up. But anyways, uh, we have a lot to get to tonight. And unfortunately, um, we unfortunately have to start off with some terrible news that has officially hit the uh, sports entertainment slash wrestling world. Uh, but first, I, I have Lou and Diane on the line with me uh, so far tonight, and we'll just basically start off here with within the span of two days on yeah. on a Wednesday and Thursday. First Wednesday, we lost ECW slash hardcore legend Terry Funk uh, to natural causes at the age of seventy nine. And in particular, oh, it, it did say, though, that he was uh, diagnosed as living with dementia and he was living in an assisted living facility as of mm. 2021. Uh, he did end up dying on Wednesday at a Phoenix area hospital, uh, especially after they had claimed that he had returned home and was doing well, but uh Reportedly, it is due to natural causes that he passed away. Terry Funk, for people who don't know who he is, before he became an, uh, a hardcore icon, he spent multiple years wrestling for uh, the National Wrestling Alliance and all of the, all the different territories right. uh, that they had with his brother, Dory Funk Jr., then he went over to Extreme Championship Wrestling, which at the time, before it was Extreme Championship Wrestling, it was, it was actually called Eastern Championship Wrestling, which was an affiliate of the NWA, uh, the National Wrestling Alliance. Right. They then turned to Extreme Championship Wrestling, where Terry Funk pretty much solidified his name into the Hardcore Hall of Fame in the former right. ECW arena with many of his show, with many of his performances that he put on. And Terry Funk was honored last night by the WWE uh, alongside our next uh, unfortunate death, uh, Bray Wyatt, also known to, uh, to, to many fans, to many fans, he's known as Bray Wyatt, but, his real name is Wyndham Rotunda, who uh, Rotunda. he is uh, 
he is the son of Mike Rotunda, also known as IRS, and the grandson of Blackjack Mulligan. And also, two of his uh, two of his uncles are Barry and Kendall Wyndham, as well. So uh, he comes from a very prestigious family. I, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, there's other prestigious wrestling families uh, like the Rhodes, the Flares, um, especially the, the Hearts. Yeah, especially the Flares. I mean, when you consider championships and whatnot. Uh, but Bray Wyatt unfortunately passed away at the age of 36. Uh, that was officially wow. confirmed on August 24th, which was on Thursday, and it was due to a heart attack. And in particular, it was a heart attack that came off of complications from COVID. Uh, as many wrestling fans know, he ended up missing this year's WrestleMania, which he was supposed he was in the middle of a of a feud with uh, with uh, Bobby Lashley uh, before going on medical hiatus in February due to contracting COVID nineteen and obviously nobody knew uh, you know fans didn't know it was COVID nineteen until uh, he passed away a couple days ago and it was then reported by someone close to the family uh, that he had dealt with COVID-19 over the last several months. And it had appeared like he was on his way to making a comeback. But unfortunately, uh, a matter of fact, they said he was like days away, if anything, from returning to, uh, from returning to the wrestling ring. However, unfortunately, uh, he passed away at the age of 36. And in particular, I mean, this, I want to, I want to bring everybody back a, uh, a few years to when Eddie Guerrero died in 2005 of a heart mm. attack. And I believe he was actually a little bit older than Bray. I believe, I believe because Bray was 36 and I believe Eddie Guerrero was 38, actually. Yeah, so he was like two years older like that, yeah. than, than Bray Wyatt was. And he died of the same thing. Uh, well, technically acute heart failure is what he died of. He didn't die of a heart attack. He died of acute heart failure. Uh, but I remember being uh, – th- this, ha- this happened, of course, during the school year. Uh, I remember hearing the news of Eddie Guerrero passing away, who at the time was one of my favorite wrestlers. So being in junior high school, being in the eighth grade at that time, (laughs) I remember just bawling my eyes out. And I got to tell you, Lou, uh, hearing the news of Bray Wyatt all of a sudden passing away on Thursday it kind of took me back to that time. I'm sure it kind of took me back to. It kind of took me back to that time because, much like how Eddie was uh, beloved by the fans, Bray Wyatt was one of the most creative geniuses of the modern era of professional wrestling. Right. 
I mean, some of the things he would come up with, he would come, uh, he brought, he first brought, uh, after he failed as Husky Harris in, uh, in his uh, WWE debut uh, for a couple months, he was Husky Harris. Then he was sent down to developmental, down to uh, NXT when they were first starting up NXT. And mm. they told him to come up with a new character he ended up coming up with a cult leader called Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And he had, he had created what is known as the Wyatt family uh, with mm-hmm. Luke Harper, God rest his soul, uh, Eric Rowan, who was at the tribute show uh, that was filmed last night, and Braun Strowman. Eventually, Braun Strowman would join a couple years later. Uh who was also at the tribute show. And the four of them were pretty damn tight. They were pretty close, uh, not just on screen, but also off screen. And I just find it very haunting that uh, this is almost reminiscent of, uh, of uh, what's it called? Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. Right. Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. I mean, it's two completely different, two completely different scenarios, though. Yeah. Right? So. Because Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit murdered his family and then killed himself. Uh, but the, the what's scary yeah. about it is the time difference, because it was two years apart mm-hmm. that Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit passed away, right. and it, it's two and it's two years apart here that Luke Harper, and, or uh, a lot of people uh, knew him as Brody Lee in AEW, Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt pass away two years apart. Uh, it's, it's eerily scary to see that now yeah. literally half of the Wyatt family has already passed away. Very shocking. And there's been a whole bunch of tributes that have poured in uh, for Bray Wyatt. Uh, and, I, you know, I feel bad for, for Terry Funk because, I mean, obviously yeah. uh, his career is to be celebrated as well, but yet his death gets overshadowed by Bray Wyatt's death because while Terry Funk got to live a long, healthy life, Bray Wyatt was taken from us at the age of 36. It's younger than I am. Almost like completely stolen from from us, if you would. Uh, yes. And also, it's and also it's been documented as well that Bray has had mental health issues. So the first thing everybody was was praying for was that he didn't take his own life. That when this news first came out. Uh, you know, the first thing everybody thought of was he may have taken his own life because he had been dealing with mental health issues uh, over the last couple of years. Eerily similar enough to Chris Benoit, except the difference is, uh, you know, Chris Benoit had had a history of God knows how many concussions, which ultimately ended up contributing to him going postal on his family and then killing himself. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I contemplated 
whether or not to play Bray's music uh, to start off the show tonight, but, you know, due to copyright reasons, I, I figured it would probably be best not right. to do it. Um, but, I mean, th- this is a guy who basically paved the – well, I shouldn't say paved the way, but he he has set – he has broken a barrier, basically, for current yes. generation wrestlers. That and he showed them that you can, as long if you can expand your mind, and, and you know you can come up with God knows how many creative things, uh, for, uh, for, to put on to put on the air, for your product. And uh, Bray Wyatt in general, uh, along with, uh, you know, Terry Funk had his accomplishments. Bray Wyatt, he had his as well. Uh, He was a multiple-time WWE and Universal champion, winning the the big belt, as we like to call it, three times. Uh, He was a two-time tag team champion as well. And he even won a award for Male Wrestler of the Year back in 2019, which was around, I believe it was around the last time that he had held the title, I think. Uh, But he was involved, actually, in multiple, he also had multiple accolades, uh, Comeback Wrestler of the Year, uh, he had match of the year versus John Cena back in 2014. He was involved in the feud of the year when uh, yeah. a, vis- a villainous a villainous professional wrestling stable called the Nexus, uh, which Bray Wyatt was uh-huh. part of the second version of it. Uh, he was yeah. part of that feud with Nexus versus the WWE, uh, and also. He was ranked, I believe, as high as number six on the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500. Uh, for for yeah. people who, don't, who may not know, PWI is stands for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Kind of like Sports Illustrated, but it's specifically for wrestling. Right. Hey, that. But but uh, Lou, I know I know there's uh, uh, one of your callers. Uh, is a huge wrestling fan, um, Steve Davidson, and yeah, that's my co-host. He was he. I know he was definitely stunned by oh everything oh, yes. that came out. Yeah, that's why you know because he is the wrestling authority on the show, and you know whenever um I come across a wrestling article, especially something with this magnitude, you know I let him have his take on it, you know because he is the. Uh, sort of like the wrestling authority, you know, of the show. It's just a shame that, you know, how having guys such a young age, but, you know, with the, all the with all the abuse that, you know, wrestlers take in the ring, you know, it doesn't come as much as a surprise. I mean, because, you know, they get a lot, they get, because they do get injured and the body takes a beating. And, you know, that's what happens sometimes, you know, to these um, wrestlers. I mean, he's young in reality, but in wrestling, uh, no. You know, that's when wrestlers start to, uh, you know, wind down their career. But nevertheless, you know, it is a tragedy in the um, in the wrestling world and the sports world in general to have someone pass away so young. Yeah, especially especially yeah. when you consider that. I mean, it's th- thirty six years old. You know, usually yeah, usually it's. Uh, 
usually wrestlers wrestle if they're if they're in good health they can wrestle until their late 40s maybe uh you know like rick flair did into his mid 50s yeah that's a rare breed you know like rick flair and that but most uh like uh, i think by 35 because you know once someone hits 30 uh you know the body does you know considering how much of a high athlete you are the body seems to you know uh, slow down a bit. I was going to say deteriorate, but that, that's being too harsh. Yeah, it doesn't slow down. You, you, you've reached your peak by then. And, you know, by 35, right. you know, it's no wonder that you have to retire. Right, but technically, technically, though, you could consider that Bray Wyatt was, in the, was, was at the peak of his wrestling career. He was yeah. in the prime, the prime of his career. Uh, this is pretty much around that age, uh, age of 36. Um, mm-hmm. He had been with the company since, I think, I think it was since uh, he, he officially signed with the company in 2009, but he didn't yes. make his actual debut until 2010. So, you know, he, he had been with the company for 13, 14 years. And, Usually, you know, you don't see a lot of wrestlers stay with the company for a long time unless, no, you, don't. you know, they're a draw. Um, unless they're a draw, unless they're like a legitimate, uh, a legitimate draw, like you, can, like you can make money off of them. And Bray, uh, he was actually one of their top merchandise sellers because of his creativity that he had sucked the fans. Like, he... He he used to say uh, one of his phrases was he's got uh, he's got the whole world in his hands, meaning That's he meaning Bray Wyatt has the oh. whole world in his hands, and and he had the fans yeah. eating from the palm of his hands. Yes, I, I mean he was just so captivating that I oh, no you know, I agree with what. I agree with what they said. There won't, there will never be another Bray Wyatt. I mean, he, they were originally making him to become the successor for the undertaker with the whole supernatural, uh, element of his, of his character that he was going to be, he was going to be the, uh, you know, he was going to be the Undertaker, basically, the Undertaker 2.0. And, of course, now that will never happen. But, uh, I mean, I, got, I just got to tell you, it's this – one, this one's going to hurt for quite a while uh, amongst yeah. wrestling fans of this current era. Oh. And also, you know, there were various stars who actually got tattoos of his logo last night. Yeah. Following last night's tribute show, they went out to a uh, to a local tattoo parlor and they ended up getting tattoos of his uh, upside down moth logo, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but anyways, uh, we're going to move on. And okay. just that word, I got to go at 10:30. Yeah. Oh, you gotta you you gotta go at 10:30. Yeah. 
Yeah, little brother is, uh, you know, uh, needing me at 1030. All right, well, you know what? Uh, while we're at it here, uh, let me ask you, do you want to, you know, last week or last season we did the game, the game's gridiron. Do you want to be a part of that again? Oh, yeah, sure. All right. Well, it's going to be the same thing as last year. Uh, I already got Alex's picks. He, uh, he posted in the group actually. Um, so it's going to be the same thing as last year. Uh, we'll do, we'll do six picks per week plus a Monday night football pick. So seven picks per week, technically. Um, it'll start, I think next week is, or no, it'll start. Oh, wait, maybe it is next week it'll start. Um, well, technically. Like I, did, like, I did last, like I did last season, I'll text you uh, the spreads and everything. Uh, but I want to get your picks because we're doing preseason picks again this year uh, for bonus okay. points. Um, let's start with the national title. Who do you have competing for the national title this year? Hmm. Let's see. Well, I I don't think it's going to be Georgia this year. I mean, it's kind of tough to do, uh, you know, uh, three three peats, especially in uh, this day and age. So right. I I don't I don't look at that. I'm maybe going to take Ohio State and Ohio State versus Alabama. And who do you have uh, winning that? The Ohio State. Okay, so Ohio State, I will lock that in. And who do you have uh, for the Super Bowl? So I have the Super Bowl. Well, let's see. It's, I can tell you right now, uh, hmm. you know, I, I think maybe the Bills might be onto something this year, uh, finally. Uh, I think maybe this is going to be uh, their year to – I make it, and I think Buffalo is going to take on. Oops. Hmm. Buffalo taking on maybe um, the Forty ers Okay, Buffalo versus San Francisco, and you have Buffalo. Yeah. I have Buffalo. I think it's going right. to be the year. All right, I'll lock those in officially. I'll get them. I'll get them submitted. And by the way, a, a little tidbit: uh, the 49ers, they are in need of a kicker now. Yeah, they're in need of a kicker because uh, both of their kickers are now injured, uh, thanks to yeah. yesterday's game. Uh, yesterday's yeah. game, uh, their kicker. Their rookie kicker, Jake Moody, is out with a quad strain. And Ooh. their veteran kicker, Zane Gonzalez, had to leave with a calf injury. Already? So, do you think it's possible, especially with the, all the rumors about Nick Folk maybe getting booted from the Patriots, do you think it's possible – uh, San Francisco makes a call to New England to see what it would take for New England to give away Nick Folk. Well, with that with that being said, I think it would be a very uh, good possibility since they are in need of a kicker. So I'm not too crazy about who is going to be their uh, backup. Uh, you know, to Brock Purdy though. That's the only. That's the only bad. That's the only bad sign. 
Well, I mean, on the, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. Nick Folk, he can still kick. Despite his age, he can still kick, and he would actually serve as a pretty good stand-in uh, for San Francisco until one of their two kickers returns. Right, but I'm but I'm referring to who they're who's going to be their um, number two quarterback, and it's going to be uh, Sam Darnold. Oh boy, this is going to be fun. All right, that's right. With uh, with San Francisco getting rid of Trey Lance, uh, good to move. Dallas, good move. to Dallas for a fourth round pick. You know what? I'm I don't know about you, Lou, or you, Diane, but I'm surprised that Dallas. Uh, or that San Francisco even got a fourth-round pick for him. Yeah. I'm just wondering how many ghosts he's going to see when uh, the season. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Huh? <laughs> yeah. For, uh, for trade. For... Oh, you're talking about ghosts with, uh, with Sam Darnold. Yes. Because uh, obviously, uh, well, he's most he's most infamous for uh, during his time in uh, with the New York Jets for what they called seeing ghosts out on the field, where he would uh, where he would randomly throw throw the ball in a direction that's nowhere near his receiver, and ultimately, that would be him essentially seeing ghosts out on the field. Uh, okay. I will admit, I he has gotten better since his time in New York, but so, I am kind of surprised that he beat out Trey Lance, though. Yeah. So, very surprised. And now, and now they've wanted. The thing is, the Cowboys have wanted a developmental quarterback for for so many years. And now they finally get it with Trey Lance. And maybe that's why they gave up a fourth-round pick. Because in all honesty, I mean, just looking at what Trey, Lance, uh, what Trey Lance's career has been like so far since he got drafted, and literally there's practically nothing. He's played in like eight games total since being drafted. Five touchdowns, three picks, and he also has a rushing touchdown. But other than that, it's, it's I, I mean, a two-and-two two record, I don't know. It just it, it kind of seems to me like a fourth-round pick was a little too steep. Yeah, I would think so, too. I mean, let's get, uh, let's get Al, uh, Alex is joining us. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Trey Lance going for a fourth-round pick? Up, guys, I'm a little under the weather, so I'll, I'll hang in as long as I can. But yeah, I mean, Trey Lance, he had, um, you know, really, he was a really high draft choice. So, kind of unimpressive. I mean, he just didn't get a lot of opportunity. Then he got injured, like you said, and he hasn't really put a lot on tape. He hasn't played a lot in regular games. But Donald is kind of similar too. They were both kind of drafted really high and didn't pan out. But now, I, I think it's good, like you said. They they want to Dallas definitely wants someone to develop behind Dak. Just God forbid if anything happens to Dak, it's good to have someone else ready to go. So, yeah, I think it's kind of a low risk move. Fourth rounder is a decent yeah. decent draft capital though, so it's like they definitely give up something yeah. for him. But he's a good younger player to develop. I think it's a good move for Dallas. Right. 
Yeah, exa- exactly. It's like uh, it's it's like I said on Lou's show earlier. You know, there are still good players that are taken in the fourth round. So it's yeah, kind of surprising, yeah. honestly. It's kind of surprising that they gave up a fourth round pick for Lance, who hasn't proven yet that he can be an every game starter in the NFL. Like maybe the reason they had to give up a fourth so, was just because it's such an important position because he's a quarterback and he had such a high high draft equity. I mean, he was worth a lot apparently coming out. Everyone was really talking him up, saying he was going to be awesome. So never panned out in San Francisco. San Francisco also fell in love with Brock Purdy, so it's like yeah. you can't have they only have room for one starter at uh, quarterback. So rather than sit on the bench, I mean, so it was, I think it was a good move overall because he. Um, I think if Dallas hadn't given up a fourth, someone else would have. Because that could be, who knows, man? Yeah. He's still young. It's not like a give. It's not like well, a lock or a guarantee or a given. But he could still be a starter for five or seven or eight years if he gets if he gets a starting job this year or next year. If someone gets injured or something happens, I think fourth is a pretty good, right. pretty good uh, bounty, rant, whatever you want to say. A, a good amount to give up one. He's a quarterback. Well, the uh, field. Also, there, there was a report that came out that Buffalo was in on Lance before, they, which I thought was kind of surprising. Why would they be in on Lance when they have Josh Allen? Uh, right. But the Cowboys outbid them by by uh, offering up a fourth round pick, which I, I, it just it, it seems kind of kind of mind boggling to me a little bit that they would be in on. Trey Lance, when when yet they have Josh Allen that uh, at quarterback, and yeah. he's very rarely injured, if at all. Yeah, but I can kind of understand Dallas because maybe it's kind of it kind of makes me wonder: Does this mean that Dallas is planning to move on uh, eventually from Dak Prescott? It should. I, don't know. I think it was in the funny moment. Yeah, I mean, if he keeps, if they keep coming up short, man, you might. It's it's good to have. Well, you want to get rid of Jack and Jack Prescott anyway. Yeah, I I would I would want a little bit more competition because I mean, I know as an Eagles fan, I know it's always like I'm going to be looked at as like I'm being biased trying to slam the Cowboys, but I do show respect. They have a lot of talent, but seriously, I think a lot of people that aren't, even a lot of Cowboys fans, you know, after a few more years, if Dak keeps falling short. It's time to move on. Are you going to wait? Are you going to wait until Dak Prescott's yeah. forty years old? If he doesn't even get close to right. a, a Super Bowl, you're wasting a lot of other good Cowboys. Ceedee Lamb, like all those guys, are getting old, working hard together. So, I'd, I'd give Dak like this year and next year. There's only so many years you can wait. And then maybe right. who knows? Maybe Trey Lance. Maybe Trey Lance. I mean, he was a top ten pick. That's a higher pick than Dak was when he came out. So who knows? It, it might be a good insurance policy for them to have, just in case they, they they do say, you know what, we have a lot of talent. That's good, but maybe maybe Trey Lance could be great. I don't know. He's got a lot of talent. Also, another thing, another thing, another thing, Alex. I asked Lou about this too. Uh, what do you think about the uh, Niners' uh, kicking situation? Because both of their kickers are injured, and with the rumor going that. around that. With yeah. the rumor going around that New England might be shop or might potentially go with Chad Ryland as their new kicker, do you think maybe perhaps San Francisco might give New England the call 
uh, before cutting day about Nick Folk. Yeah, he's a really good kicker. I would, I would absolutely, I could see that happening for sure. There's still a lot of things that can happen between now and even the first couple of weeks. You guys know that. So, you know, some of these players like Trey Lance, you know, they're not going to sit on the bench for more years. So there's still going to be more activity. I didn't realize that they were, so San Fran's missing both kickers now. Yep. Because, uh, their their rookie kicker went out with a uh, with a quad strain, and uh, Zane Gonzalez, their veteran kicker, went out yesterday with some sort of injury. So uh, both are expected to miss multiple weeks. Start the season. Wow. That's that's one of those spots too. It's like people don't put enough importance into it, and then it's like oh. the, <laughs> you put someone who can't field in the outfield. The, the baseball will find that guy in right field right away, like in the worst, like in the biggest pressure spot. So, like, if you go into the season without a good kicker, they might, you know, they might be tied with a minute left in their week one. They might lose if they have a bad kicker. So, yeah, they have to get that addressed immediately. You don't want to mess around with a kicker. Some people don't think they're important. They're absolutely important. There they are. I mean, the only other name available out there, unless Robbie Gould wants to come out of retirement, the only other kicker out there yeah, is like always. Rodrigo Blankenship, and Blankenship <laughs> has been out. and Blankenship has been spotty, if anything, ever since he got released by uh, by Indianapolis. Yeah, so if they made a move for a kicker, you'd think maybe like a sixth rounder or a seventh rounder. I mean, you know, not going to get the same capital as a quarterback, but very important position. Yeah, I'm sure they're talking right now over the weekend about it. They need to find someone. Yeah. By the by the way, uh, we do have a little bit of uh, a little bit of breaking news here. It looks like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be looking for a center as their uh-huh. top their top center Ryan Jensen has been placed on season-ending injury reserve thanks to complications from the knee injury that robbed him of nearly all of last season. And the injury is so significant. The injury is so significant that Ryan Jensen may have likely played his last down in the NFL. Wow. And Tampa Bay is pretty rattled with injuries. I mean, that's, that was from what I saw. I mean, that's, a big reason why Brady was struggled so bad last year. He was getting crushed every play. That's that's not good news in uh in Tampa. Yeah, and it's even worse because uh their general manager had signed him to a three year thirty nine million dollar extension before the twenty twenty two season. So wow, $39 million, he's already injured. Still collecting yeah, money. All of know. that and all of that, and they got only one playoff game out of them. Uh, this is, you know, this is a guy who was one of the one of the top centers for quite a few years in the NFL, and now uh, it sounds like his his career may be over because of this. Yeah. Because wow. he he elected to not have uh, he elected to not have surgery uh, last season. And he somehow played in their playoff game, and wow. now, uh, and now he has uh, he hasn't fully recovered from that knee injury, 
and he has now been placed on season-ending injured reserve. Oh my God! So if they, if he might get a, an attorney or two or three and file some mm. sort of lawsuit, because if he put off surgery, if he can prove that his employer, the Buccaneers, didn't want him to have surgery, you know what I mean? I don't mean to sound like devil's advocate, but or, or an no, ambulance they case recommended or, it. But, <laughs> no, they, rec- they, they recommended it. Oh, then he can't sue his team. Then I mean, then he can't. He can't do that. He did it on his own. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, that's that's on him. Then, sadly, hoping hope he can come he back. had he had an injured MCL plus or not MCL, an injured ACL plus ligament pairs, and he decided yeah, to play through it. And he played in a professional game, and he weighs over three hundred pounds. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. Man, that, that would be awful if his career's done. Hope he can come back. Yeah, now at the age now at the age of thirty two, his career may be may be over officially. Wow. Oh, that's tough. Bad enough they lose Brady. I know he was getting a little slower, but still Brady. But now they don't have Brady right. on and they're now they're losing guys like that. You're already waking up looking at Baker Mayfield as your starting quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Already waking up like a this is a dream or a nightmare, and then you lose your best lineman right away, and we haven't even well, kicked off yet. <laughs> exactly, it's it's like yikes! Like literally, you're you're you already have Baker Mayfield. Now I don't know who their backup center is, but uh, Mayfield's in a lot of trouble. If he's the starter this year, he's in a lot of trouble. I'll say. Yeah, and he, you know, he takes chances, and you guys know Baker. He's just like a gunslinger. He, he'll run around and get his clock, you know, wrong, and then he'll hold on to the ball too long and get nailed by someone. He's got to have a good line yeah. in place in front yeah. of him because he's not going to just like throw the ball away. He'll get murdered back there without a good line. Murder. And he has to like he has to like jump up to see over it half the time. Right. Not that he's short in real life, but yeah, he's not a not a towering guy as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, that's, the Bucks, right. I could see the Bucks literally being bottom five. on, And they were really good. I know Brady was a big part, but, I mean, look at they have two, like, Hall of Fame receivers, Godwin and Mike Evans. Now they're going to be a terrible team. It's, it's really ridiculous, yeah. actually. They still have a lot of talent. It's like it gonna, I guess they're going to stink. Kind of whatever. It's going to be tough for the Bucks fans. Kind of rebuild also, uh, you know, sticking sticking with the NFL, uh, by the way, some good news for Jets fans. Uh, Aaron Rodgers made his debut today, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. Surprise, he looked, surprise. He looks pretty, he looks pretty good. Uh, throwing, oh, wow. uh, I think he, I think he had like, I think he went five of eight for 47 yards and a touchdown throw, I think it was. Wow. Yeah, I didn't see it. The well, stats came with the win guys, too. Did you guys watch it? Did you guys watch it at all? I didn't. I didn't watch it. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he had a pretty then, good. Uh, he had a pretty good. A pretty good sky pass uh, for 14 yards to uh, to Garrett Wilson in the end zone. Yeah. Garrett Wilson's going to be like top top two or three receiver, I think. Uh, and then, dude, if Brees Hall is healthy, that's a great running back coming up and. Awesome defense. I know beating the dead horse, but I mean, Rodgers plays really well and stays healthy. Man, they could be a really good team. 
I know it's going to be just for a few years while he's around, but man, right. they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent. They're not going to be scared of anyone. Whoever they're playing this year, they're not going to be scared. That's for sure. As long as Rogers is no. Playing. And they have a heck of a lot of. They have a lot of young talent. It's a really, really unique mix. It's the old Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, kind of looking for like revenge or retribution, trying to prove that he's not washed up, and he's leading a bunch of young guys in New York. It's going to be fun. Right. So yeah, Lou, I was wrong. It wasn't a, it wasn't a half, uh, a full half like I thought it would be. Uh, whoever on your show said two, uh, two series was right. Because that's what it ultimately ended up being was two series that he played. I didn't think it was going to go that far. You know, really, I mean, they were, they're, they're saving for opening day. So I really didn't see yeah. the point of him going, you know, to um, two halves. That, that's pushing it. They just get a little well, used no, to, like, too, the, game, the game action. He, he doesn't need any reps, you know. He just likes to get his feet wet with his new teammates, really. Yeah. Like, Luce, I mean, imagine, imagine if he, uh, you know, stepped on someone falling down and broke his ankle and he's out two months. I mean, that would be catastrophic. Yeah. You got to keep that guy protected. Yeah, that's true. Um, obviously, this, this, would, uh, this would obviously mean that, you know, Taking him out like they did would essentially prevent him from uh, from potentially committing any sort of injury. Yeah. Uh, but for the rest of, for the rest of uh, of the group, um, Zach Wilson didn't do too bad. Eleven of eighteen, one hundred and seven yards. Uh, Tim Boyle pretty much did the same, but he went nine of eleven with two touchdowns. Um. As far as receivers go, Garrett Wilson, three three catches for 30 yards, including that touchdown. Uh, Alex Erickson had five catches for 38 yards and two touchdown catches. Uh, Xavier Gibson had seven catches for 79 yards. Uh, no touchdowns on there. And Nicole Hardman, you know, this is how you can tell when certain people have made the team and when certain people are are – are vying to have one of those last spots on the team because yes. you see people like CJ, like CJ Uzoma didn't get uh, didn't, he, he was only targeted once this game. Uh, Hardman was only targeted like three times. Uh, Garrett Wilson was targeted three times. And even in the run game, I mean, you didn't even see, uh, you didn't even see Hall play once today. Wow. Oh, uh, guys, did Dalvin Cook play at all? Nope. Wow, that's protecting both, I guess. Well, I mean, obviously Hall's coming off that really bad in- knee injury. But, I mean, damn. I mean, look at the two, two, two uh, what, top ten running backs, too? I mean, they're loaded. they got to stay healthy. The Jets game. Well, to be to be fair, uh, going, going with the Dalvin Cook thing, uh, Ezekiel Elliott didn't play either last night for New England. So, oh, wow. uh, I, th- I think what New-, what New York is doing is basically they're letting him just get his reps in during practice. Uh, yeah. Elliot actually dressed. El- Elliot actually dressed last night, and he was out there on the field uh, during warmups, but he just didn't play. Um, right. But that's a whole entire thing, and a whole entire different thing in general. Last night, fucking Bailey Zappy. You know, I can't <laughs> understand 
how there was so much hype around this kid last year, and then we see what he's been like this pre- this preseason, and it's almost like he completely forgot how to play quarterback. Like literally, the, one yeah. of the Tennessee, the very first snap he takes, Tennessee, one Tennessee lineman almost sacks him. He goes running to the left, then he comes running back to the right, and the Tennessee lineman that almost sacked him then then strip sacks him, and uh, Tennessee runs it uh, for. I think I think they ended up getting first and goal, but somehow New England's defense ended up holding them to just a field goal after that. But it's yeah. fucking mind-boggling how people want Bailey Zappi over Mac Jones after that performance last night. Yeah, it sounds like they got to go with Mac, man. Mac or bust. Right. Like, look, I don't care if Mac Jones. Yeah, I don't care if Mac Jones sucks to high heaven this year. I, I'm. I would. I would rather have Jones play all 17 games than have Bailey Zappi play a single game after last night's right. game. That's how bad it was. Uh, it's like he's completely lost all of his football instincts and everything after uh, after this preseason. That's a problem. Yeah, definitely is. Time to go to battle with. But uh. You know, going back, going back to what I was saying when it comes to the difference between who made the team and who actually needs reps to, to try and potentially make the team, Kayshawn Boutte, who has been picking up steam in New England uh, in recent weeks, and there was a question of whether or not he might be on the bubble, he only played five minutes last night. The first wow. offensive series didn't even he didn't even have a pass thrown to him. He just played five minutes and he wasn't injured or anything. That right there tells me that Belichick saw enough out of him from that second preseason game against Green Bay, where he had a, a touchdown on like 70, 70 yards or so. That right there shows me that Belichick saw all he needed to see to give him a spot on the team. Yeah, and also, it. Demario Douglas didn't even play either, no. which tells me that even though Demario Douglas has barely seen uh, game action this preseason, he has made the team because of everything that he did during camp. But meanwhile, you have yeah, players out there. I mean, this was offensively, this was a bona fide backup game where there was nothing but backups out there offensively. Right. Like Pierre Strong, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, and J.J. Taylor all vying for that last uh, running back spot. Uh, I don't know why, but they, for some reason, New England kept switching between Zappi, McSorley, and Cunningham. And then for some reason, they decided to just go back to Zappi for the remainder of the game. It's, New England, uh, I think uh, Bill O'Brien lost his voice last night from yelling at the offense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, was... literally, like his face was beat red the last time uh, the last time yeah. that we saw him on camera. 
you, you, yeah, you wasn't a happy camper. No. Uh, also, from last night's game, I can tell you that, in my opinion, I believe Calvin Munson, with the work that he did uh, defensively, he probably won himself a spot. I think Ronnie Perkins, after he puked on the defensive line, uh, he won himself a spot. After uh, after puking, he literally uh, got the tackle the very yeah. next the very next play that was called. Um, wow. Defensively, there was only a few regular starters out there, like Jack Jones uh, played. Jack Jones played. Josh Uche. Yeah. Uh, Mac Wilson, but there, there was, you know, there were a lot of, there were a lot of them that didn't really do, even though they were out there, they didn't really do much. So it wasn't like uh, Belichick pretty much has all of his starters nailed down when it comes to who's going to be starting this year. They did lose Riley Reef, uh, their right guard to an injury. So there's a, there's kind of a question mark there as to what's going to happen with the offensive line. And also the kicking game is also in question as well because Chad Ryland played all of the game uh, last night. So the question is, is Nick Folk on the roster? Is Chad Ryland on the roster? Are they going to keep both on the roster? Uh, There's a lot of questions surrounding New England still, even after last night's debacle. But... Yeah, uncertainty in the air, right? I mean, it's, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, New England, I think, still has a chance to be good this year, but they have a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, I think, Mac, it's just not really a shocking theory, but it's going to really be just so important for, for Mac Jones to have a good year. If they're going to have a good year, he's got to really be playing well. He's got Look, he's got the pedigree from Alabama, you know, so it's like right. he's capable. I hope so, you know, as long as the coaching's good, as long as the coaching's good, I mean, could have a good year. But, I mean, that's a big could. I mean, he's the quarterback. They, they really need him to step up. It's, it's now or never for him. Right. Right. Well, the problem is, is that they need, you know, they need to just let Matt, they need to release Mac. Right. And by, by releasing, I don't mean remove him from the roster. I mean, they need to let him loose. They need to stop seeing cutesy with him with the different play calls that they do and just right. let him have a chance at swinging the ball, which is what Absolutely. he was best at at Alabama. Yeah. And I, just to finish, I should have said too, I meant to say it, it was just so important too. You know, it wasn't his, it, it wasn't his mistakes. He did, I don't think he did much wrong in his first, um, no. you know, his time is experienced so far as the Patriots. We, we've said it before on the show and said it on Lou's show. Everyone, you know, a lot of, a lot of sports people have, have talked about it and seen what's happened. You know, he's been mismanaged. He's been miscoached. So it's not really – it's not his fault. But, like, now hopefully, you know, hopefully the coaches really have their together and put him in their best, best chance to succeed. Right. He deserves it. Because if, if they keep screwing around, dicking around with him, and they win six, six, five, six, seven, eight games, and then they want to get rid of him. I could still see him being a good quarterback somewhere else. So it's like you know, it's just so much. It's much. I think it's on the coaches this year, which you, which you guys have said before. I'm not saying anything new, but I mean it's a big year for Mac. Hopefully, 
hopefully, like you said, hopefully they let them play and, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, draw straws and say, oh, this weekend you can call plays. Next weekend someone else will call plays. I mean, it was a clown show the way they were handling him so far. They got to right. get everything together. Right. They got to put him in a good chance to succeed. I think he could be a player. What do you think? Today. What do you What do you think, Lou, about Mac's chances this year with a uh, with an actual offensive coordinator in uh, Bill O'Brien? Uh, well, I think I think like I said it's a clown show, and I think that's where what we're going to get. So I don't think he's going to make much of a difference. You don't think you don't think the addition of Bill O'Brien will make much of a difference? Well, uh, maybe a little. Uh, it's too soon to tell right now. I mean, he is. I mean, it's Bill O'Brien after all. Yeah, but don't forget, Bill O'Brien was also the offensive coordinator for Alabama last year. That's so, true. So if if Bill O'Brien goes that, back huh? to if he goes back to the Alabama style way of playing, which is what Mac is used to, Mac could potentially have quite a, you know, he could have a potential breakthrough year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they have, so now they have a guy from his alma mater. They have Alabama that looks like they're getting their coaching act together. Yeah. If if he's going to, if the light's going to turn on for Mac, this is the year. Oh, my God. Daniel Carlson just kicked one from 62 yards. Right Cyborg. down the middle. Burger leg. <laughs> 62 yards against Dallas right down the middle to end the half. Wow. Good God. Yeah. And he and from the looks of it, he had plenty of room. He could have kicked it from longer potentially. It wasn't it wasn't like a kick that, that just barely made it. Wow. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I, I just, I literally, I saw it just go across my, uh, go across my Twitter timeline just now. So I had to, I had to look at it. Uh-huh. Um, now we're going to go, we're going to go back to football in just a minute, but I do want to bring up something that came up uh, following the women's world cup where we saw Spain defeat England one to nil uh yes. to officially claim their first World Cup in women's World Cup history for, for Team Spain. However, it did not come without controversy. In particular, uh, uh the the president of Spain's soccer federation, Luis Rubiales, has been suspended for ninety days after kissing uh, Jenny Hermoso of the Spanish national team. And he first kissed her on the cheek and then he kissed her on the lips after, uh, while they, while they yep. were celebrating. Uh, Hermoso has come out saying that she did not consent to the kiss and the team's players have also said that they won't play any more games as long as Rubiales is in charge. Oh, and boy. to top it all off, Rubiales is 
I mean, he, he, he's not just the president of Team Spain, but he is also the vice president of the UEFA, which is the union for, Euro, for all of the different European leagues. Big trouble, double trouble. I mean, and now he, he has said that he will refuse to resign. And also, not to mention, not only did he kiss her, but also uh, he, he did numerous, uh, numerous forms of misconduct by grabbing his crotch, uh, yeah. among other things, which has basically overshadowed the entire accomplishment for Team Spain of winning their first ever World Cup title. And now he is, he is still facing pressure from not only his team, not only all of the other soccer clubs in Spain and soccer officials in Spain, but he is also facing pressure from the Spanish government to resign as well. Wow. That's not and and Boy. not just not just that, but also there have there have been multiple women's stars in soccer who stand with uh, with Hermoso amidst this whole oh, entire well. ordeal. So, I mean, let's start off with you, Lou. What are your thoughts on uh, the, the, in my opinion, deplorable conduct by uh, Luis Rubiales? What a dick. I mean, I mean, you know, we've we've seen this though before, of course. Of that, I mean, you know, I thought, you know, I first thought, you know, it was caught in the moment. You know, I would get that, you know, couple, but he went a little bit too far. He was, was kissing on the lips, and you know, saying he said no. So, you know, he's the one in the wrongdoing of this. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen this though with a women's championship soccer team, as opposed to a brand Chastain in 1999 ripping off her shirt. Um, after they won, after the U.S. won the uh, World Cup, this is, but this goes beyond that. This was just, you know, professionalism at that, you know, kissing on the lips of you know, a player. Uh, no, that, that was totally inexcusable. So um, I think 90 days, yeah, it's going to be appropriate punishment. I would have said 20 years to life of prison, but, you know, I think uh, 90 days is punishment enough uh, for a schmuck like that. What the hell were you thinking? Or thinking, what are you thinking? Just another example so of, what what, you know, of what power can do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the fact that I, I honestly, I think it should be more than 90 days, to be perfectly honest. I think he should be forced yeah. to basically resign because uh, you're some, yeah. as the president, you're, you're representing all of Spain. You're representing, all, you, you know, you're representing your country. Yeah. As wow. the head of their soccer uh, of their soccer team, and to basically, I mean, I understand it was it was during the celebration and whatnot. And I know uh, I forget if it's Spain or Italy that's normally known for kissing during celebrations uh, like that's that. Thing, yeah. Probably Italy. Probably Italy. But it I might mean, be I, Italy. I agree with I'm not I agree exactly with sure. I think Lou nailed it on the head, but, like, yeah, that's one thing that would give me a little pause. Like, I don't know if that's customary. doesn't sound like it, but, I mean, some places in Europe and uh, worldwide, it still seems like a reach, so I don't know if I'm saying anything correct. It still seems like it's pretty outrageous. 
I don't think there's any tradition where you can uh, kiss a player like that. So, yeah, I mean, 90 days is not enough. That's a pretty outrageous story. He should, he should, he, it shouldn't even be 90 days. He should just flat out resign, period. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's outrageous. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you. What do you think of doing that? If it was any other sport, if it was any other sport, I guarantee you, you would see a resignation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have to watch the replays of that, too. I was busy a couple of days, and I'm feeling like crap the past couple of days more recently. So I haven't really been. On the up and up with, with keeping up like that type of story, I don't know much about, so I don't want to misquote anyone. But yeah, I got to look at that more. I mean, so it was was it after game? When was the what was the setting? When when did you do this? After the game, it was like literally literally right after they won. Wow. And did the player react, or her her like teammates and other people reacted? Ah. Uh... I don't know exactly in particular, but I do know that. Hang on, I I have the video actually right here. I'm going to rewatch it. So what he's doing? He's hugging her, then he kisses her on the mouth, and then I believe it looks like he slaps her ass too uh, as she's walking away. The story's getting not getting any better. It's getting worse and worse. The story as it goes along. (laughs) That, that that next part is even more ludicrous. He slaps on the ass and he is an ass. That's something. That goes to me having to wanting to watch it like skeptically, like not thinking it's going to be good. To okay, I don't even need to watch it. That sounds awful. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on, Alex. I got it for you. <laughs> it's a little technical. I got it for you. Let work. me. Uh... Now, granted, it's poor. It's poor quality, but uh, literally, okay. so he doesn't even actually go for the cheek. He goes straight for the mouth. Wow. Yeah, watching it right now. That's not. And it looks like he smacks her on the ass at oh. the end. But, no, slapped her on the back. And again, I'm not this guy's. Oh, uh, was it on the back? Not Johnny Cochran. Not Johnny okay. Cochran. I'm not his. Definitely not his defense attorney. That's, he seems like a scuzz bag, but definitely on the back. Look at. Uh, yeah. Slapped her on the back. Lower part of the back. Oh, okay. Probably shouldn't have, All but right. still. Uh, but the kiss is awful, and it's just awkward yeah. and unprofessional for her. How is she supposed to react to that on a world stage, too? She can't really do anything in response. Right. That she's like the man, like uh, power and right. authority. You know, he's the president. So it's like, what is she going to do, start screaming at him on stage and then, you know, jeopardize her career or just, uh, you know, yeah. who knows? She's kind of like defenseless. Right. Yeah, it's not, not a good look. And- and she has uh, firmly stated that it was not it was not consensual. That it, despite him right. claiming that the kiss was consensual, uh, oh, wow. he or she has said that the kiss was not consensual. Uh, she released a statement actually, which she claims she claims that she was forced to release the statement by the federation by the soccer federation. Uh, she says. After achieving one of the most important objectives of my sports career and after a few days of reflection, I want to sincerely thank my teammates, fans, followers, media, and everyone who has made this dream come true, Uh, yada, yada, yada. Sadly, the ability to celebrate that has been cut short. 
while it is true that I do not want to interfere with the multiple ongoing legal processes, I feel obliged to report that Mr. Luis Rubiales's words explaining the unfortunate incident are categorically false and part of the manipulative, the manipulative culture that he himself has generated. I want to make it clear that at no time did the conversation to which uh, he referred to in his address take place. And above all, was his kiss ever consensual? I want to reiterate, as I did before, that I did not like this incident. And she also, so called, she also continues. And spoke up. Yeah, then he, he should be in deep trouble. I didn't know she was so against yeah, him, so appalled. I didn't know about that. Yeah, she also yeah. said, I, I feel the need to report this incident because I believe that no person in any work, sports, or social settings should be a victim of these types of non-consensual behaviors. I felt vulnerable and a victim of an impulse-driven, sexist, out-of-place act without any consent on my part. Simply put, I was not respected. Wow. And also, yeah. and also she, bad as she got firmly claims... She firmly claims that she was asked to make a joint statement to alleviate the pressure on the president. Basically. So she basically admits that they wanted her to release a joint statement with him saying that it was consensual and everything. And believe that. also, also, uh, it says it says here that um, the RFEF, whatever that abbreviation is, has pressured my surroundings, being family, friends, teammates, etc., to give a testimony that had little or nothing to do with my feelings. So basically, they're trying to get everybody. They're trying to play damage control by using people around her. Honestly, this is just disgusting. It is. This is disgusting from Team Spa- from from uh the higher ups of Team Spain and from Luis Rubiales himself. Yeah, I mean he should be called on to resign. That, that's he needs not to resign. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. She feels violated on a world stage when he does that to her. That's egregious. It's terrible behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it, if it was anybody else, if it was anybody else, they would have uh, they would have already um, they would have already resigned. If it was anybody else in any other sport. They would have already resigned. Absolutely, I agree. But regardless, uh, now because of that, Team Spain has refused to play until he steps down or is removed from uh, from representing uh, Spain. Also, uh, staying in the world of soccer for a minute here, uh, Chelsea has agreed to terms with the New England Revolution on a transfer involving their all-star goalkeeper, Georgie Petrovich, on a 16 million euros 
or euro or pounds, I forget which one it was, but uh, on a 16 million transfer, which I think this may actually be higher. I think this may be higher than what Matt Turner went for when he went to Arsenal. Wow. Right in the middle of of New England's attempt to to compete for the for the MLS Cup, now New England has lost their second top goalkeeper in the last couple of years. You mentioned that during the week. That's that's brutal. I know it's, a, it's a, I know it's an awesome, reputable, worldwide. You know, people love. Song. I get that. That's one rule I just don't like. Is that it's almost like NBA with Harden and Durant. That shit they pull, but. It's, I know it's different, but yeah, the transfer stuff is tough. You know, it's like so random; it just happens, and it can really deflate a team. And it, they lost both their yeah. goals. And that's massive. Sucks. Yeah, like? yeah. Matt Turner. They lost Matt Turner. Uh, was it last year? Hang on. They lost yeah, Matt Turner. Yeah, oh. it might have been last. No, they, yeah, they lost him last year uh, at the end of 2012. Or, or no, or no, I mean not 2012. Uh, in the middle of 2022, they lost him to Arsenal, where he went on to be their backup uh, goalkeeper. Uh, yeah, his transfer fee was six million. That could rise up to ten million. Petrovic went for more. Wow. And actually, it's not. It's not exactly yeah. sixteen million. It's. It's not exactly sixteen million. It's it's it ranges. There's some reports that are saying fourteen, some are saying seventeen, some are saying sixteen. It it it's it's all over the place. But need, regardless, it's it's more than what Turner went for. Uh, and Turner isn't even with Arsenal anymore. Now uh, he signed with Nottingham Forest on a four-year deal uh, for ten million pounds. So they can just poach uh, like some players and then they can poach a player and like really mess with a team's chemistry. And then a year later, the guy is not even with their team anymore. That's, that's not, that's, that just sucks. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, I understand that obviously the major goal is to get to the premier league, which if anything, that just makes that makes New England look more. Uh, it makes them look more. How should I put this? Uh, attractive for certain players yeah, I agree. that to to sign with because, I mean, the past two years we've seen our top two goalkeepers go to. Who, by the way, both of them were all stars for MLS as well. Uh, we've seen them both go over to to the Premier League in back-to-back years. So it shows that they're getting really good talent. Like other players and other uh, people who run franchises and obviously fans are like, wow, New England's legit. Let's, they keep, these people keep knocking on their door, taking their top players away. They must be doing something right. Right. But it really, but, uh, really handcuffs. It really makes it tough for, for New England to keep chugging along Especially goalies, back-to-back goalies. That's that's a that's a tough blow to withstand. Yep, back-to-back goalies, 
and he's considered to be one of the top one of the top goalkeepers in Major League Soccer this year too. Uh, Petrovic. Uh, that one stings. So yeah, it definitely uh, it's definitely a big blow. Uh, the fact that now they replaced Petrovic with Earl uh, with Earl Edwards Jr., which I mean let's. To be perfectly honest, I've seen him play in person. He's nowhere close to Petrovic. Not even close. Not so, driving. It's not NASCAR name. Earl Edwards. Jeez. Petrovic had a better soccer ring to, to me. But yeah, no, I get. I, I yeah. he's not a. He's not exactly a stalwart uh, in the net. But it's definitely. Can they, sign uh, can they sign anyone else right now? Or are they like stuck with this, this back of this third stringer now? Or can they sign anyone else immediately? They can still get someone else. Nope, because nope, because the transfer nope. window has officially closed. Oh, that's just brutal. That's if tough. they can if they can sign if they can sign anybody, what they can do is they can sign. Uh, what do they call them? Um, they can sign next generation contracts, and what what that means yeah. is like uh, for their for their minor league affiliate, basically. Um, the New England Revolution Two team, which is like for for players uh, under nineteen, like if they're eighteen or seventeen years old or whatever, uh, they can sign those type of players. But okay. they can't. They can sign them to like homegrown contracts, but they can't sign. They can't like say, say somebody wants to go from from the Premier League to Major League Soccer, and they decided to, uh, you know, and the, and they decide to, oh, want to sign with New England Revolution. They'll have to wait until the next transfer window, which is after the season is over. Wow. Tough. It's really tough yeah. for them. If you couldn't pick any other team, it's bad enough to get uh, poached once, but they, you go back-to-back goalkeepers? Come on. Well, Chelsea was that desperate for a backup goal for uh, to find a uh, a replacement. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where Petrovic. Uh, I mean, obviously, Petrovic was at the top of the list when it comes to uh, you know when it comes to uh, searching for goalkeepers. So. Yeah, uh, kind of the same thing with Turner. And if anything, uh, yeah. they can actually put that money to good use, potentially, uh, depending on what they decide to do. Um, I know if I remember correctly, they used the money they got from Turner uh, to get Giacomo Brioni, I think, who has been used off and on as their striker. But because Gustavo Bo is their main striker uh, and one of the best strikers in Major League Soccer right now, um, when he's not injured, that is, uh, they decided not to, uh, you know, they've basically been platooning the both of them, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. But anyways, going over to... Well, actually, hang on. Let me get rid of this story because we already we already covered that. Right. Um, 
going back to the NFL, uh, we do have a couple of retirements uh, to talk about. Uh, Miles Jack has officially retired from the NFL after seven seasons in the league. Yep, injury. And I'll do it. Yeah, it's and I believe he has sort of the same condition that uh, that Tony Michelle had, where where he has a knee to knee or, or bone to bone uh, condition. Oh, that's right, Michelle. Yeah, I forgot about him, man. Number one pick, Patriots. Yeah. Yes, played like two or three years only. That sucks. Yeah, Jack was a really yeah. highly sought after player and. uh Second rounder, played well for Jacksonville, and now he's out of the league. What is he, 27, 28 years old? Uh, 27, I think. Tough. Wow. Yeah, injuries will get you. That's tough. That's tougher, huh? Yeah, it's, unfor- it's unfortunate, too, because uh, he was a decorated college player uh, who ended up falling to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the second round of the uh, 2016 draft. Uh, he was a pretty good player for Jacksonville, but all of a sudden, once he left Jacksonville, uh, it just, everything just started to fall apart for him. But it is possible that he could change his mind. He could change his mind to come out of retirement and become part of the workout circuit uh, for NFL, for the NFL when they need, uh, like, a replacement player or whatnot. But... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's still it's still a pretty big uh, a pretty big loss for Philly in terms of what might have been if he was able because now Philly I believe needs to fill that void in their linebacking core now. They have Nickelby Jackson, the leader of uh, one of the leaders from um, the Georgia Bulldogs. He's smaller. He didn't he didn't play a lot last year because he was injured, but. He's playing middle linebacker for the Eagles. And then they have a couple other guys that are pretty promising. Um, Zach Cunningham is another linebacker that they brought in. But, yeah, it's definitely everyone – I know, as an Eagles fan, I mean, but they, they do have a lot of talent. But, yeah, I mean, linebacker is kind of a weaker, weaker position for them. So, yeah, it definitely hurts. I mean, he had a really good background, too. But um, those knee injuries are no joke. Like you said, though, Steve, I mean, yeah, he might be able to, so he might be eventually be able to come back, but right now he can't play. Right. Uh, also, another player who can't play and ended up retiring, uh, Corey Davis, officially retired from the NFL oh. after six seasons. Uh, Jets head coach Robert Sala uh, had said earlier this week that he was at risk of missing uh, week one against the Bills, but he wouldn't get into specifics. Uh, so now the number five overall pick of the 2017 NFL draft appears ready to call it quits after six seasons in the league. Uh, he posted a career high 984 yards and five touchdowns in 2020 back with the, I think he was with the Tennessee Titans, wasn't he? Back then. Uh, and he was, a, and he ended up being a solid uh second receiver for the Jets over his two seasons with them. Uh, But now with his retirement, that means that Alan Lazard is firmly in the number two role for, uh, 
for Jets wide receivers and also makes him a low-end number three wideout option potentially for Aaron Rodgers. But Corey Davis, that's a, you know, that's another guy who had so much promise, you know, especially when he broke through with, uh, with Tennessee. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's almost like once he, once he came down with injury, he started to deteriorate. I yeah, mean, he I had a total of six touchdowns through two years with, with the Jets. Oh, that's tough, man. Yeah. Let's think about it. these guys are, like, going so fast yeah. and getting hit by big people. I mean, the collisions, the daily wear and tear on their bodies. Once they have a really bad knee problem, it's, there's no way for it to get better. Because they're constantly no, right. out there. You know, it's like you can't really hide it or protect it. You're going to hit and get hit. and It's not going to get any better, these knees. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, but, I mean, you know, retirements do happen. So, um, this basically, I mean, it says he's stepping away from football. So, maybe perhaps he may decide to uh, unretire at some point, whenever that might be. Yeah, yeah. Maybe come back. I would assume he's probably still – if he were to come back this season, I believe he would still be under contract with the Jets. So, and you, but I don't know. I mean, maybe perhaps – Hopefully he could play again. It's just – I mean, but then look at the Jets. Hardman, Garrett Wilson, Lazard. Cool. Randall Cobb, I mean – Aaron Rodgers brought half the Green Bay Packers with him. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe he can come back, too. He was good. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere around the league, Cowboys edge rusher Sam Williams was arrested yeah. last Sunday on charges of possessing a controlled substance and unlawful carrying of a weapon. And this is a guy who was a major contributor to the pass rush last year. Uh, yeah. that he could face a misdemeanor charge uh, for the weapon he had when he was arrested in Frisco City. Uh, and he could face a suspension later this season, depending on the outcome of his case. And, I mean, it, it would be a pretty big loss for the Cowboys, uh, considering he had 10 tackles for loss yeah. last year and nine quarterback hits last season. Wow. I mean, what are your th- what are your thoughts, Lou, on this? I know you're a Cowboys fan. Um, yeah. I mean, how big of a loss would this be for Dallas's pass rush? It would send them back quite a while. I mean, that's that's all we need. You know, first of all, is one of our great was a um, former players, and now this. I mean, it's just uh, the bleeding. You know, is just continuing on. Uh, I would send a major blow back to their to their rushing. You know, over a stupid stunt like that. Yes, I will. All right, so I'm going to be right. Right. But hopefully I'll be back with you know, the normal time next week. I hope I hope. All right, Luke. Well, thanks for thanks for joining for thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you we'll see you next week. See you, Luke. You guys. Thanks, fellas. Okay. All right. Um, now our ne- our next uh, our next uh, little bit here the Raiders won't have to worry about their holdout uh, star running back anymore because Josh Jacobs has officially agreed 
to a one-year $12 million deal, which is basically a $2 million increase from the franchise tag. And now he has 15 days to get ready for week one after missing the entire preseason due to a holdout. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why they're kind of toying around with him. He's a really good player, but Raiders are going to do Raider things, I guess. <laughs> I, maybe I'm missing something, but I think he's a really good player. So now he's going to, I guess, begrudgingly suit up and probably have an awesome year and then try to leave as soon as possible after it. Possibly, yeah. Um, bet on himself. But exactly, you know, exactly. You know, there there was talk the old that uh, yeah, the, the old thing. Yeah, there was talk that he originally wanted to be traded, actually, and wow. they wouldn't accommodate his request, basically. So uh, that's why he ended up holding out originally uh because he wouldn't sign the franchise tag wow i just never know they just keep i don't know i don't know if Devonte adams is happy i guess he's leaving it's just whenever the same stuff happens with certain teams you get a little skeptical are they doing things the right way out in vegas now because i mean you want to keep your best players happy it's pretty simple uh way to operate if you're like a sports team or a good a good company anywhere right and right this isn't the first time they've gone through this like they just keep i, I don't know mistreating giving someone 14 million but you understand you you get what i'm saying like they've had problems for the years exactly keeping their best players happy. yeah i know, they've, I know they've had there's, always some, there's always something it's always something with them with someone right uh, like i know they've had problems in in previous years uh when it comes to certain players and whatnot, uh, but it, it just see it. It, it kind of seems like this current management is. It's it, it just seems like this current management is looking to basically tear down the Raiders from the previous regime, so that they can put in their own players, essentially which is why you don't see Derek Carr there anymore. I'm surprised that Josh – well, actually, Josh Jacobs uh, is kind of forced because I don't think he's been in the league long enough to uh, to warrant free agency yet. So, um, basically, he was kind of forced to after they, after they franchise tagged him. Uh, and he hasn't shown any, any willingness – for any sort of uh, new contract whatsoever, either. So, yeah, that was he was part uh, of that. Chances have, like, are with Mayock, Mayock and Gruden uh, when they first came in. Remember they what, they have three like number one picks, and two of them were like played for like a year and left or got cut. Right. I think one of them's out of the league, and Jacobs is the other guy, and now he's probably one more year and done. Just brutal. Right. Mayock and Mayock is like the guru. Uh, draft guru apparently <laughs> but yeah Raiders are going to Raider I guess yeah uh, elsewhere the Broncos uh, have some pretty bad news for their wide receiver core uh, considering the fact that I believe they already don't have Patrick and now 
Uh, they've lost Jalen Virgil with a torn meniscus, so he is out for the season. And now Jerry Judy has gone down with a hamstring injury. So uh, he is expected to miss several weeks. And th- while there is optimism that it's nothing long-term, uh, his status for the beginning of the season is now, has now been put in serious jeopardy due to this injury. Wow. So now that means that Marvin Mims and Cortland Sutton will be the top two wide receivers with Kendall Hinton replacing Judy in the slot of that Broncos, uh, of that Broncos team. I called him for a quick few minutes on Lucio earlier, but talking, he mentioned the injuries. And then you don't even we don't even know if Russell Wilson can ever look close to what he used to be. <laughs> like this. Don Payton, you know, Mr. Cocky himself. We'll see how they do in Denver this year. They're losing receivers the right. like flies now. I don't even know how good Russell's gonna be. So yeah, but it's not not good to lose most of your weapons already. Yeah, and they don't have uh or or no, they have Jarrett Stidham as their backup out there in Denver. And he got injured tonight too, I believe. So, uh, I don't know if he's still playing actually. Um, I know they're killing, uh, the Rams right now, uh, leading into the half, but, uh, I know he went down with an injury as far as I remember. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, in Denver, especially with. I mean, even if you have even if you have one of the top head coaches of the past couple of decades as your new head coach, we're going to need a division. lot more than just. Yeah. yeah. The just loaded, we're going to need a lot more than a new head coach. Yeah, he's not going to suit up. Russell Wilson has to act like he's not hasn't totally forgot how to play quarterback. But yeah, and then all these injuries, I don't know. Never want to say it's karma, but it's like I don't know, it was weird that was a weird trade and then Sean Payton comes in and totally slams the old head coach and throws everyone under the bus. And now everyone's getting injured. Crazy crazy times in Denver. Oh no, Stidham is still in there actually. Uh on NFL they're playing on NFL network right now. He's still in there. Oh, okay. So uh Stidham has actually looked pretty good today. So I mean, if if Denver needs to go to a backup, let's not forget Stidham did learn from the best. He did play behind Brady. Yeah, that's true. I forgot that. Yeah, that's big. It's just imagine that division though, with some injured receivers and then Stidham. I mean, if if Russell goes down, I don't even know how good Russell is anymore though. It's just a confusing team. They might win four games. They might. Improve and win ten games. I don't know. The division is just so loaded. I can't see them really doing that well. Either way. No, but hey. I no, I agree with you. I don't. I don't really see them doing too well in that. Uh, in the, especially with that division. It's just such a tough. Division. I'm sort of surprised that Sean Payton went there because he always, everyone always holds him to some pedestal like he's the man. And then he goes. It looks, right. For me, it looks like. Washed up Russell Wilson, who's kind of got like attitude, like kind of a diva. I don't know. 
that's just from what I can think of it. And then you're going up against Mahomes and Justin Herbert. It's like, good luck. Instead of finding an easier place to land, John Payton, he's going against a really murderer's row every week, it seems like. Good luck, Sean. Yeah, while he's, while I'll he's tell you something, other, though. I think... while, he's trashing, while he's trashing other coaches right as soon as he arrives. <laughs> Jeez. I, I think, I think Stidham would be a pretty good – I think he's a good enough backup, though, to where if they need to replace Russell Wilson with him, they could. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And like you said, it comes from learning from the best. So he's definitely got some good – Yeah, experience. and he did, he did start a couple of games last year for Vegas, too, so. Oh, that's right. I didn't even There is that. Yeah, we'll see. A lot of, uh, a lot of already, a lot of issues already in Denver. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, uh, the Colts are in a bit of a are in a bit of trouble. Uh, their reserve guard slash center Danny Pinter will now miss the entire season with a broken ankle after filling in for uh, their starting for the regular starting center Ryan Kelly, who had just now been returning from a foot injury. So. Uh, this is actually a pretty big loss for Indianapolis's uh, depth, as he had played, he or he was active for 46 of his last uh, of uh, 46 of Indianapolis's last 50 games. So wow. they lose a depth a, a depth offensive lineman for the season there. And then, uh, and, then you're, and then Jonathan. And then Jonathan Taylor, it's another team where it's like several blows happen, several bad things happen at once. Not a good start to the season. Right. Oh, yeah, that's another thing, too. Jonathan Taylor, uh, they have received a couple of offers for Jonathan Taylor. Heard the Eagles um, might be trying to but, get He's crazy. Yeah, Eagles. Um, forget what other teams were were uh, included but oh, the Bills, teams maybe. are actually skeptical or or no they they rejected uh the dolphins offer the Bills, but, the Bills uh, the, it, I think the bears and broncos are also interested i don't know about the bills i haven't heard i haven't heard the bills yet for jonathan taylor on some, some random article i heard that once but yeah i mean just thinking off the cuff i mean I think the Bears would be good in, like, cold weather. He'd be a good fit in Chicago. That'd be pretty cool. Possibly, yeah. But I don't, I don't know, though, because uh, especially with the cold weather, you know, when, when he came to New England, he wasn't really that uh, – he, 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 he wasn't really as – as strong as he normally is, you know, like he didn't have that same burst. Oh, that's interesting. That he normally yeah. has uh, when he when he plays in cold weather. So, what it's worth, I took him randomly. I finally got a number one pick in fantasy football, and he was a total bust last year. For whatever that's worth, he really had a down year. Oh yeah. Suddenly, now he's suddenly demanding a trade. So it's like, okay, Jonathan, <laughs> you say so. So who knows? Yeah, uh, I thought he was one of the. I thought he was a hardworking dude, but it seems like there's some issues going on with him. Because I mean, he didn't even really play to his potential last year, and now he wants to, to leave. Now again, I know you you 
send me that ridiculous funny stuff uh, back in the day about what Ursi, what the owner did. I mean, I wouldn't probably want to play for him either. So he maybe just fed up with playing for a total clown owner. I wouldn't surprise me. Uh, there were a couple <laughs> of players who were released from uh, a couple of players were released from the hospital. Uh, Isaiah Bolden after last after last week's uh, scare against the Packers uh, with his head and neck injury, uh, he did officially travel home because he was he was officially cleared. Uh, however, he did suffer a concussion, so it is likely if he if he uh, does remain with New England, it is likely that he will start the year on injured reserve. Uh, he didn't practice at all this week. He didn't practice or he didn't play in the game at all yesterday. So uh, he's probably a candidate for injured reserve. Uh, the Buccaneers uh, backup quarterback John Wolford was released for, from the hospital uh, after suffering a neck injury. Uh, he does officially have movement back in his arm after it went numb. Uh, so it, it says here he's facing long odds of forcing the Bucks to carry three quarterbacks because it looks like Kyle Trask will be the uh, second backup or will be the, uh, you know, the second quarterback on the roster. Yeah. So uh, – and I don't even know if he practiced actually this week. And uh, according to Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel, uh, Mike White is in concussion protocol. I don't know if he got cleared in time for today's game, which by the which by the way uh, was officially suspended due to an injury that occurred on the field after David Davis. Uh, one of their wide receivers was carted off the field on a stretcher. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of games get. Uh, and by the way, he does. He is conscious and has all movement in his extremities after being uh, admitted to Baptist Medical Center in Jacksonville. Um, but but I mean, we're seeing a lot of injuries happen like this. Yeah, they're stacking up more and more. I'm telling you, these guys are getting faster and bigger every year, and more and more injuries. It's just safer not to even let some of your biggest names play in the preseason. It's sad but true. It's just such a risk out there. You know, it makes you wonder if they may look at this uh, in the off season to potentially find some sort of way to further – I don't know how they could further protect uh, the it's team tough. or the, the players because shit like this any just happens. Yeah, you can't really avoid it. Uh, the old saying, if you, if you think you're going to get hurt, you probably will. It's such a physical sport. It's like, I don't know. Right. Basketball, you uh, the see, I don't know. I always, also... like seeing, I always like seeing the younger guys try to that are trying to make the team or like the 27- or 28-year-olds journeymen that are from the USFL that are trying to make the roster. That's always exciting. The Kurt Warner story, right. but you know, some, to see some of these guys get hurt, it's just like terrible. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins have also stated that uh, offensive guard Robert Jones will miss the first four to six weeks of the season with a sprained MCL. Uh, he was 
competing for a chance to win a spot to win a starting spot on the offensive line. But the good news is he's not expected to undergo surgery at this time. Uh, he did start seven games at left guard for the Dolphins last season. So uh, when he does come back, it's a, well, first off, it's assumed that he's probably going to be placed on IR to begin with, but he will have a spot when, uh, when he does officially return from injury. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, the injury that occurred to uh, Bill's offensive tackle, Tommy Doyle, uh, was season-ending officially uh, on last uh, Saturday's preseason game. Um, wow. So Tommy Doyle is out for the season, uh, especially after having a torn ACL last year. So now uh, – I believe it was to the knee that he suffered the injury this time. So uh, he's gone like for the, the season. I kind of like what the Jets did. If I were ever running a team like that in NFL with preseason, just literally, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating because it's limited exposure. to They have to build chemistry because a lot of these guys are free agents coming from different teams now. But it's like I'd almost just wait till the final preseason game and have a dress rehearsal for like a half. And if you get one or two injuries, then it's like, other than that, you can't really do much more to avoid all these injuries. You know what I mean? The rest of the preseason have to be mostly rookies and guys trying to make the rosters. Right. So it's like, regardless, there's not much you can really do. No, you can't. I mean, I just, I I don't really get into preseason. A couple of years ago, I would. Not, Not I'm better or worse than anyone. I just, this year, I haven't really been watching it too much. But um, I noticed just right. watching the Eagles the other night against the Colts. Um, it was fun to watch, like, Anthony Richardson. But the Eagles weren't – they weren't really playing a lot of their guys. And I was glad for that. It's like, yeah, I'd like to see someone play. But, like, the injuries now are so crazy. <laughs> you, you might want right. to reconsider what you want to see. Like, you don't want to – I don't want to see, like, the, you know, like the star offensive lineman they drafted. Hopefully he'll be good. Jalen Carter. Um, he didn't play at all. And he's 21 years old. They're already sitting him. So, like, the injuries are just getting crazier and crazier every year. Well, it's probably the reason why they sat him is because that he's pro- he probably showed enough uh, enough that they yeah. needed to see out of him during uh, during practice. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just there are certain teams are just going to protect their guys. I mean, I could only imagine, like, if just today, like, he was probably out there for, what, like a half hour. You know, imagine if Aaron Rodgers got hurt. It would just be horrendous for the, all the buildup and all the fanfare, all the Jets like, oh, we're finally back. Imagine if he, like, ended his season today just playing a little bit. I mean, it's just so risky. It's like you don't want to not play him, but then if you do and they get hurt, <laughs> 20 years later you're, like, thinking about, wow, I ruined Aaron Rodgers. So it's just, like, such right. a risk to play somebody. It's such a risk to play somebody established, you know, starting veterans at all. Right. Like, what are you going to get at, really? Get the feet wet a little bit, but, I, you know, play him a quarter and then that's it. Just have him practice. By the way, it looks, dangerous it looks dangerous like the Patriots have made their first uh, – looks like the Patriots have made their first couple of cuts. Uh, Carl Davis, defensive tackle, and Quandre Mosley have both been cut 
on the on the way to making the fifty the fifty three man roster, which by the way has to be official by four p.m. Tuesday, I believe it is. Wow. Were you one so, of those guys um, promising to you, or were you expecting that, or what? Were you kind of shocked, or were they kind of? I'd say maybe. I'd say maybe the more surprising of the two is Davis, because okay, he was he was good for depth, but I think. I think a lot of it now has to do with the fact that he he didn't really have uh, I mean he had like an average type of camp you know he didn't really stand out and considering they want to make room for players like Keishon Boutte and whatnot and certain players that they want to hang on to uh certain You know, certain certain uh, players they may want to hang on to, so they'll have to uh, they'll have to make uh, cuts that they wouldn't that maybe they wouldn't necessarily make otherwise. Yes, um, we'll see. I mean, you, it, the cuts are going to start coming in fast and furious now. That's for sure. Imagine being right. guys, man. You're waiting for a call over the weekend, like. <laughs> It's tough. These guys, yeah. that's why preseason is cool. And I still like, I know we've gone back and forth sometimes, with me and Lou at least, like USFL or the Arena League, stuff like that. I mean, those guys, are, they're, they're trying to live their dream and get to the NFL. So I think it's, I think it's awesome of them. So, so, and some of these guys are, you know, you're playing, either playing in the NFL or like selling insurance. or There's other great careers, you know what I'm saying. But, I mean, they're trying to like, yeah. live a dream. So these cuts are huge uh, for some of these Eagles. guys. Yeah, the Eagles, they did release uh, Tyree Jackson as well as Dan yeah. Arnold, uh, two, two tight ends. Yep. Um, They're good with their – they have I'm trying to look and then they have, uh, they have Goddard. Um, Calcaterra is a good backup that they have. And then they have Stahl. They're set there. But, yeah, Dan Arnold was – I think he played for the Panthers with Darnold a little bit. Arnold was good in college. I forgot. I'm still not as – not as big into college, but I'm getting more and more into college. But I forget where he played in college. But Darren Arnold has a pretty good resume. He's only 20 years old. It sounds... 28 or 29. Arnold. So Arnold's, Arnold's a good player. Yeah, Dan Arnold. He'll, he'll end up somewhere. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that uh, that he didn't uh, stick around. So, well, that's one that's one spot. I mean, they have Stahl and Calcaterra, two good tight ends, and then they have Goddard. So it's like can't keep too many. I was I was a little bit more surprised just being an Eagles guy. I follow their roster like all day. I, just, you know what I mean. I thought he'd go somewhere in preseason where he could maybe start because he has he's had some good stats. Hasn't he been like a fringe, almost starter a few years here and there? He played for Carolina. Uh, maybe for the one most other. part, uh, yeah. He I was going to say didn't he he's play for Carolina? Name. Yeah, he's a recognized like he's a rec- recognizable name. So I think he'll he'll probably get signed somewhere hopefully. Yeah, he has, as of 2022, he has 95 career catches for 1,258 yards and seven touchdowns. Wow. Yeah, he's not trying a little bit. 2017. Yeah. Not everyone's going to be like the next Gronkowski. I mean, those are, you know, he's he's put up some numbers, put it that way. He's not, you know, he's not, not you know, he's not chopped liver. He's a legit football player. So I'm sure he'll, he should end up somewhere soon. Sometimes they'll cut people. You know, uh, sometimes they'll player. cut people to do them a favor so they can catch on somewhere else. Sometimes teams will do that. One, 
one player who has completely gone down the tubes. My God, Isaiah Simmons. The Cardinals trade him to the Giants for yeah. a seventh round pick. This guy was wow. considered to be a quote unquote positionless player when he came into the league in the 2020 draft as a first round pick. I remember that. He's like a cyborg, like plays like seven different positions. I thought this guy was going to be like a video game, like superhero. Total bust, yeah. I guess. And now he's struggled to adapt to the NFL because he switched from linebacker to safety earlier this summer. And wow. his fifth year option was then declined back in May. So now uh, he's looking to somehow rejuvenate his career under Wink Martindale before he enters free agency next off season. That's nuts. Yeah, you're right, man. He was so hyped. And that's back in years when I really wasn't watching too much college at all. But I, I, I definitely remember him coming out. He was like a top 10 surefire pick. One of the best college players in his senior year. Something, right? Yeah. I think Clemson. He was considered to be a hybrid defender during his time at Clemson with his elite size and athleticism, uh, making him be used all over the field. Uh, primarily as a linebacker, slot corner, and safety for fun. So these, these are the, the still recent in our memories. See, this, this is the, these are the years when Mahomes and, her, I guess, Herbert was maybe coming out, but you know what I'm saying, where it was totally gone past happy, where everyone was drafting corners and every linebacker has to cover now. So maybe that's what they were thinking with Simmons because the Cardinals, I think, it was, yeah, seventh overall pick. That's crazy. And that's not even a good Cardinals team, and they couldn't keep him? Wow. Yeah, no. Yeah, now you, like you said, now he's struggling on the Giants. The Giants need – hey, I think the Giants are much improved. I think they could be a playoff team. But, like, that's surprising the Giants. Is he maybe going to get – they traded for him, though, right? I don't think he's going to get cut from the Giants. No, he won't be cut. They traded for him. They oh, traded a okay. seventh-round pick. So, I mean, they should be much improved. I, I know offensively. I mean, they added Waller. Um couple of really good receivers, Paris Campbell, Watts, Tennessee receiver. But, yeah, I mean, right. that's surprising because the Giants needed a little bit of help. The Giants have a really good D-line. And the, I think the Giants will be on the playoff cusp this year. But, yeah, that's guys. The Cardinals crazy. weren't done, though. The, Car- the Cardinals weren't done, though, because they made quite a few trades this week. They also traded uh, offensive lineman Josh Jones and a seventh-round pick to Houston for Houston's fifth-round pick. And Jones uh, started 11 games last season for the Cardinals, and he started uh, out of 47 games in his career, he started 21 of them on the offensive line so far. Uh, and he is also in the final year of his rookie deal. Wow. So it almost seems like it almost seems like they're trying to admit that the 2020 draft was a complete bust for them, essentially. Man, it's painful, but, yeah, some teams just call quits and just move on. Like you said, sometimes new GM comes in, new new eyes on the talent. They want to just get their own people in the building, like the Raiders' Derek Carr. But, yeah, I mean, Cardinals are just depleted of talent. I know I always say it, he's one of the – he's like the Harden to me in football, James Harden style. I just, I'm not a Kyler Murray fan. He apparently, like, won't even study the playbook. I think it kind of starts with him because they gave him all that money, and they're not – they kind of just don't seem like they really have a direction right now. 
Now they're just like right. they're blowing up a bad. They're blowing up like an already bad defense. <laughs> that's that's and just, now, and yeah, that's bottom five. And now, yeah, and, and now just hours after being announced as the number two quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, the Browns then traded Joshua Dobbs and a seventh round pick in this year's draft to the Cardinals for a fifth round pick in this year's draft. And all three of these trades, all three of these trades came down in less than twelve hours. Wow! So now, uh, Dobbs is competing for the starting job with Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon in in Arizona. Wow! <laughs> and Kyler Murray's somewhere playing Call of Duty right now. Crazy times. <laughs> Yeah, Kyler Murray is uh I don't know where he is right now, but he's um it's like a closet. They put I it think in his he's contract. in his own he has to study he has to study the playbook every like night. They test him cuz apparently he wasn't studying the playbook. He was addicted to Call of Duty. That's what I heard. It's just absurd. Well, it's, it says he's on it says he's on the physically unable to perform list. It says on my PlayStation he's online right now. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, he's on top, I think. <laughs> hey, Kyler, what's up? Yeah. Put that put that yeah, down, he's Kyler. on the – says he's on the physically unable to perform list to start the year. And yeah. who knows when he's going to come back because he isn't even in – I don't think he's even in football shape yet. Wow. I didn't even I didn't even remember that. I didn't realize he's uh, currently still injured. What a fall from grace. He was the next big thing. Yeah. Apparently. With his coach, Kingsbury. They're going to revolutionize. I know. He was supposed together. to be. Yeah, they were <laughs> supposed to be. Uh, they were supposed to be the next. Uh, the next Belichick and Brady. The way that they were being hyped up. They're ridiculous. I never uh, saw. Elsewhere, with Joey. I love. I love athletic quarterbacks. I never saw it with Kyler though. I mean, he always just looks so small for that. For that position. And then when you start right. hearing that he doesn't study the playbook. And he's the quarterback, which is like the de facto leader of any football team. It's just like you got get out of here. What a clown! Didn't Jamarcus Russell? Playbook. Didn't Jamarcus Russell have the same issue that he didn't <laughs> yeah, study the playbook? Yeah, yeah. And it's like as they get these massive contracts, then you find out the guy really doesn't care that much for football. Apparently, so yeah, they both just basically yeah. robbed their. Uh, they basically both robbed their uh, franchises. Uh, also, uh, Joey Sly has reportedly earned the Washington Commanders starting kicking job. Uh, the Commanders had signed Michael Badgley to push Sly after a good but not great 2022, but now they've officially ended the competition. Uh, actually, they ended it uh, before playing their second preseason game last week. So, um so Joey Sly will be the kicker to start off the season for the Washington Commanders. Interesting. But we go from we go from uh, NFL retirements and injuries to Major League Baseball, and probably the biggest one, Shohei Otani has torn a UCL in his right elbow. Gosh. So. What that means is that officially ends his season as a pitcher. 
However, he can still play as a hitter. He just can't play as a pitcher. But uh, as far as as far as pitching goes this year, uh, hang on, let me grab. Yeah, let me grab the. uh, He has a ten and five record with a three point one four ERA in twenty three games started, uh, with one hundred and sixty seven total strikeouts in one hundred and thirty two innings. Uh, so he can still hit though cuz i mean he was he i mean he uh he absolutely destroyed a double earlier in uh in today's game uh for the angels so but he won't be able, he can he still hit pitch at all if he's in nope. Anaheim or wherever so he's not all next year right he, uh i don't know exactly oh i don't I don't know exactly if a torn UCL means he needs Tommy John surgery or or what, but uh, he they is. They went all in for him. Like they 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 cashed all their chips in. They went they went balls to the wall for him to build everything for him to hopefully make him stay somehow. And then they every all the hitters collapsed around him. Proud has been injured yeah. as usual, and now he's injured. He's like, all right, I'm definitely out of here. I mean, it couldn't have happened. It couldn't have gone any worse near the end for them. Yeah, it, it, it basically reinforces it reinforces the fact that they should have traded Otani. Yeah, it does. And I was of that mindset. I know you were saying that. I was with you, and then I was like, you know what? Since they went in, they I think they got hot for like a weekend. One of your shows, they were playing well couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Now it's just totally crap. When you bring in like Kron and Moustakis and Grishuk, like what are you doing? Like is it 2016 or 2023? Like those were guys that have not really been good players for a couple of years. So they exactly. were like going all in, but they were going all in with like washed up players. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound like it makes sense. <laughs> so no, it, do- it doesn't, honestly. It does because they no, they didn't have a they didn't really have a farm system they don't they still and they, what did they do? they didn't they added Giolito good I mean that's one pitcher they added since like Trout's been a rookie yeah woohoo so, woohoo they never had they never had enough pitching that's the that's the whole premise that's what they forgot about but he did uh, he, he did go he did go two for three today against the Mets with a double and a triple so wow. he is still hitting pretty good like uh uh, i've seen multiple multiple sports doctors mention that the ucl has nothing to do with hitting it's mainly pitching that it has to do with so it's uh, interesting to be done in anaheim it's just interesting because now it's like i don't know if we'll be able to pitch next year i don't know that's the big question when it comes to uh, if he'll be able to pitch. But as far as hitting, he should be able to still hit. Uh, the only question comes, does it require Tommy John surgery? If, uh, like, can a torn UCL, uh, like, could he could he have surgery this offseason on it and then uh, come, back and, come back in time for spring training, basically? Uh, wow. 
But, I mean, his numbers so far hitting-wise, 307 average, 44 homers, 92 RBIs. Uh, He leads the league in home runs as well as OPS with a 1.083 OPS. So, uh, you know, he's still batting-wise, he's still the same Shohei Otani. It's just that he won't be pitching. And I think someone's still going to be like, dude, it's Shohei. Let's get him. It's not going to deter the, the, the fans everywhere that want to sign him to their team. It's, I think it's more just horrendous luck. It's just like, I don't know, it's probably not karma's probably not the best word, but it's just, I think it's like one final reminder that it's time for him to leave Anaheim, if that makes sense. Because it's like what? they did everything what? they could. Trout never came back again. He's probably quietly a little bit pissed off at Trout. I, w- I mean, it's like you're supposed to be – the Pippen Jordan duo and Trout's really has what he, he played like fifty percent the last three years maybe, and that hurts a lot. Yeah, because they were in they were in the hunt a couple times and the Trout's nowhere to be found in their lineup. So now it's like they're adding the old players and now Otani's injured. Otani's probably just really fed up with a lot of things in Anaheim. Well, you know, I don't think you know. I I think that uh, obviously fans will still want him on their team. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I don't think I don't think this would dissuade any any teams from going after him. Uh, I do wonder though if there may be the question uh, that if maybe they may need to have a conversation as to whether or not he can continue to be a two way player, or if he'll have to choose whether or not he wants to be a pitcher or a hitter. That's so tough, man. It's so fun to watch him do what he does. And, I mean, he DHs. I mean, can't, I, I guess I'm just a fool for thinking back at, like, Babe Ruth League or Little League, you know. It's like you'd think, you'd think more guys would be playing both positions. And he does it right. so incredibly well. I would hate to see him be the only guy doing it and then suddenly have to stop. Because, I mean. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? It's like they DH him. He's not, like, studying defensive strategies. I, I'm just trying to make sense of it. I know because no one – I'm sure, you know, the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, all these teams have guys that were incredible pitchers and hitters, maybe through all of high school, you know what I mean? And then they just abandoned pitching. And it's like, if he's just plugged into hitting second every day and he's just DHing, how much really does he have to concentrate? He's already an incredible hitter, naturally. So it's like, I'd hate to see him have to give up pitching. He's a, the ultimate two-way weapon, double, you know, double-edged sword. But at the same time... Uh, you know, playing, not just being a pitcher, but also being a hitter, it opens him up to double the opportunity for potential injury. To get hurt. Yeah, I didn't think of Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I'm wondering if after this, I'm wondering if after this injury, if there's a question as to whether or not, um, you know, if there's a question as as to whether or not uh, maybe they may have a conversation, whichever team signs him, if they're going to have yeah. a conversation with him as to, like, you got to choose one or the other. You can't be both. It's a remarkable thing that not a lot of people talk about. I, I, I didn't even think about it really, but, like, Rick Ankiel was, like, one of the few I, names I could even remember that were, like, legitimately doing two things at once. And right. I, I just always been confused by that. Like, you're right the voice of reason, you're probably smarter about it, where it's like twice the injury makes it too risky, but 
some of these guys are so good at both. If I, if they were on my team, I'd be like, hey, go do it. If you want to play both, I have two. You're two really good players for me now because you're going to help me with hitting and pitching. So go do it. But yeah, just teams are scared to do that. Kind of blew up for the Angels. So it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, also, but I mean, uh, if you went to Boston injury. or LA, just one last thing, Steve. I mean, I would think though to agree with you. If, if whoever signs him, I, personally, if I were the GM or the owner of his, ne- his next team, I think he's out of Anaheim. I definitely want him to do both. As long as he can return to football. Oh, wait a minute! It says here, it says here he did undergo Tommy John surgery back in 2018 for the same injury. So yeah, I read that. Yeah, he have, have Tommy John surgery. So yeah, it's risky. You might just totally break down, break him down if you keep putting him in both spots. I don't know if he gives up pitching. And they're unsure. I want him to be a right fielder or a left fielder. He's got a cannon of an arm. The guy's like the best athlete. If you just see him like the way he moves around, I don't want to just have him sit in DH every single day for like five hundred million. Right. Eh. (laughs) I'd want him at least in the field if he can't pitch. Well, it says here they may shut him down immediately, potentially. Wow. In order for him to have the surgery. Honestly, if I were them, if I were them, I would shut him down. They have nine; they're back; they're nine and a half back in the wild card, ten yeah. and a half back in the division. They're not going to make the playoffs, so no. just shut him down. And did you can't like force him to come out? He might get even more pissed off. Like, I guess if they have any chance now to resign him, you got at least you got to do right by him because other players are watching too how they operate with him. They got to. Uh, well, yeah, you know what I would down. say. This done. This you know what I done. would say. I would tell him. I would tell him it's in his best interest if he wants yep. to. You know, it would be in his best interest to do the surgery now, and it gives him more of an opportunity. It gives it gives him a shorter wait time to heal up. To where if he does have a chance to play at all next season, uh, you know, it would be less of – it would be less time that he would miss. Yeah. Just think about that. I mean, they just – they went all in and now they're probably going to lose him. They're just – and then shots getting there injured, but he's not going anywhere. Right. It's so frustrating if you're running the Angels. But, again, they've done a lot of stupid stuff. They just never addressed pitching through the years. Speaking of pitching and also speaking of injuries, uh, Steven Strasburg is set to retire from baseball, according to people close to him. The 35-year-old was a three-time All-Star, uh, retiring with a 113-62 and record, a 3.24 ERA, and over 1,700 strikeouts in 247 regular season starts. At his peak, nobody could argue that Strasburg wasn't the best pitcher in baseball. But in just 13 years, in 13 years, he made 30 or more starts just three times. And after signing a massive seven-year, $245 million extension in December of 2019, He's only played in just 31 and a third innings since. 
so brutal. I mean, it's been even more, he's been even more just destroyed by injuries. But, I mean, it's like DeGrom, two of the very, very best in a long time. Just terrible injuries. But, yeah, Strasburg, I guess even especially more so than even DeGrom. Like you, like you said, I mean, he's played almost oh, yeah. like half of his half of his career. He, he's had worse injury problems than even DeGrom. Definitely, several years, not one or two or three. I mean, he's missed a lot more. Oh yeah, he's missed like half of his yeah. career. Yeah, Strasburg back to the World Series. I mean, he's lucky he won that World Series in twenty uh, in twenty nineteen where he was the MVP, and he ended up getting that massive contract because of it. Wow. That's because right. otherwise, yep. I mean, this is basically, I mean, we talk, about, we talk about Chris Dale ruining his career with injuries. I think Strasburg is actually worse. And, yeah, my bad. Strasburg, I brought him up too. He's another, he's another incredible pitcher too. Dale, DeGrom, Strasburg. Yeah, those three. But yeah, Strasburg's got worse than Dale and DeGrom, definitely with the injury bug. I mean, Strasburg hasn't played in two years. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, he did play last season uh, where he gave up seven earned runs and four and a third innings of work before he returned to the injured list five days later with a stress uh, with a stress reaction in the ribs. Wow. And now uh, he suffered a setback this year due to uh, a nerve relate a nerve related setback in his recovery from thoracic outlet syndrome. And he was shut down from all physical activity back in June due to severe nerve damage. And he ended up having to have a rib and two neck muscles removed in an effort to address his injury. Whoa, that's hardcore. Jeez. He was trying I mean, to get back out there. It just sucks. It just sucks because this kid was was looked at by many as I, I mean, you take a you take a look at at the at the repertoire that he had every time he would go to the mound, carrying a four seam fastball, a two seam fastball, change up, uh, a sl- a slider cutter, and. Wow. You know, he ended up having Tommy John surgery before he even began his major league career, and somehow the velocity was not affected at all. Jeez. Yeah, he was going to be one of the best ever. Longevity. A lot of people are going to say that. And Dale's right up there, too. But, I mean, I think DeGrom is a little bit – I think DeGrom and Strasburg are a little bit, little bit further up the totem pole, just a little bit. But I mean, I think Strasburg. And you know what? Some their skills. I think Strasburg's definitely the best out of the three. Would you think so, or Degrom or Sale? Uh, I mean, if healthy, if healthy, I would say Strasburg. A full career. Full career. Yeah, I think Strasburg. Oh, full Degrom career. Started yeah. Uh, no, I would say Degrom. I would say Degrom. Degrom started pitching in the big leagues when he was what, like twenty-seven or twenty-eight. Crazy. Oh, actually, trip. yeah. Hang on, wait a minute. Degrom is such a unique story. The shortstop. Hang on a minute. Let me look up. Let me look up Degrom's stat line. 
Uh, eh, I don't know. The thing, the thing with Degrom is, yeah, he was injured, but he still ended up coming back to pitch during certain years. Yeah, you know, it just seems like it just seems like Strasburg was always way too fucking injured to where he would be shut down multiple times during the season. Yeah, that's right. But well, it's just looking at injuries. Look, looking at uh, Degrom's record, though. Uh, he had he had four seasons of thirty or more games with the Mets. Uh, however, since twenty nineteen, he hasn't pitched more than fifteen games in the season. Hmm. You know what? I don't know. I don't know what the uh, who I would put over who now. I think Sale is at the bottom, though. I think Sale is at yeah. the bottom because uh, ever since ever since his first year post-Chicago, when he, uh, he had that first year in Boston uh, where he was lethal, and ever since then, he's basically sucked. Yeah. So... I mean, I would put I would put Sale at the bottom of that list. Yeah, but as yeah. far as Degrom, huh? Yeah, no, I was just gonna say Sale's awesome. He's right there, but it's like I think the slightly the overall just so devastating the Arsenal. I'd give the slight edge to, to Strasburg and Degrom. I think in either order you could flip them. Sale's right there at the third. I mean, all healthy, right. all three automatic Hall of Famers. They've just been like rocked by injuries. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I, I think obviously it's a tighter competition between Degrom and Strasburg. To be perfectly yeah. honest, because um, while Degrom, I mean, the thing that I'm looking at with Degrom is while the Mets sucked, Degrom was basically their entire pitching staff. Yeah, and not him and Syndergaard. Like not to sound like a totally disgruntled, biased Mets fan, but you, you know baseball. Um, he also didn't get a lot of run support. There were years when what, he almost had like a sub right. ERA, like five hundred pitcher. I mean, right, like torture. His teammates should have been arrested. No, I am. The, I am thinking for of malpractice. That. I am. I, am, <laughs> I yeah. am thinking of that. Don't 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 worry about that. I am thinking of that. Um, he had such bad luck with the the run support was so dreadful. It was just like godly. It was like he got embarrassing. I'm surprised he stayed at Met as long as he did. I would have left town. I mean, you know, it's like he deserved better, but then the injuries caught up, and then good for him, man. He's got a lot of money from Texas because he didn't need to get injured. It wasn't his fault. So God bless him. He got however, a huge though, contract. Strasburg. Now, granted, Strasburg has been in the league longer, but Strasburg has had more years of 20 plus game uh, seasons compared to while, while DeGrom has one more year of 30 plus game seasons, 
uh, Strasburg has a couple more years of 20-plus game seasons than DeGrom does. Mm-hmm. So I would almost be inclined to put Strasburg over DeGrom. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so of course, you, you yeah. know, assuming assuming DeGrom doesn't retire and DeGrom continues pitching after this year, uh, you know, obviously that argument becomes null and void, essentially. But as of as of this moment where Strasburg is retiring, I would rank Strasburg above DeGrom. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Yep. He was just even more devastating. He had the whole the whole bag of tricks, like you said, the whole arsenal. Yeah, uh, it's it's just uh, once Strasburg entered his thirties, he basically fell apart. Because don't forget, yeah. Strasburg came into the league at twenty one. Uh, Degrom came into the league at twenty six. Yeah. And Strasburg already had four years of experience in the league when DeGrom came in. Wow. Remarkable. What could have been for all three of them? I know. It's, 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 honestly, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty damn sad. Uh, (laughs) By the way, um, did you hear, did you hear about, uh, we talked about this earlier at the top of the show. Uh, did you hear about the passing of uh, Bray Wyatt, WWE yeah, wrestler? While, while I'm not, yeah, and while I'm not, I've gotten more and more into it. I've, I loved it. I loved it through the years. I'm getting back into it now, watching like Monday nights and stuff. Yeah, so I don't know a terrible amount about him. I read a lot though. I know he was a really celebrated, really popular guy. Really sounded like a really nice guy too. Um, yeah, he was, immensely son, important. he was the son of uh, he was the son of IRS. If you remember that, oh, I didn't write that part of it. So yeah, just really, really sad news. And I guess so, what was it, COVID and then heart conditions and then uh, heart attacks, just terrible, yeah. way too young. Really, really unfortunate. Yeah, and then I he heard suffered, they, they gave uh, a tribute to him. They did a tribute to him last night. Yeah, they the did. Night or something. Yeah, last night they gave a uh, they gave a heartfelt tribute. Uh, they gave him like a uh, they gave him a tribute video and everything that they normally do for uh, for wrestlers who pass away, uh, especially and even more they did a tribute show to him. In, I mean they did it both to him and Terry Funk, but uh, he's basically I believe the fourth active wrestler, no fifth, the fifth active wrestler to have passed away while still wrestling for the company. Because uh, there was Owen Hart, who died literally on pay-per-view, who died on pay-per-view uh, from falling from the rafters. Oh, did you see that? Or uh, that's that's horrendous. Uh, no, it's it, it wasn't on. Uh, like literally, they cut to uh, they cut to uh, shock and horror from uh, from the fans. Uh, after they aired a video promo because he was starting to come down to the ring uh, from the rafters with, during the video promo. And he ended up, uh, something ended up happening uh, with the cord that it was attached, that he was attached to. Uh, and he ended up uh, basically detaching from the cord and he ended up falling right into the, right into the ring, hitting the turnbuckle uh, before oh. then 
falling backwards in the ring. Just brutal. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, like, then there it's was like football junior. It's like football junior say on several other people in different sports too. Hockey, there's been a couple really tragic, really unseemly, yeah. untimely, you know, young deaths or you know, people kind of losing it. Uh, there's been there's been worse deaths, you know. I know in hockey a couple times where they find people in hotel rooms and what have you, but then they're still in their thirties. So like head, yeah, head, brain injuries and stuff. It's just you know, wrestling's a really grueling physical sport. So uh, there's yeah. probably be more research and and more information as it goes along, you know, in the future about it. But I mean, 36 years old is yeah. far too long for far too young for anyone. Really tragic. Yeah, then. Uh... Then they lost Brian Pillman to a heart attack. Or no, they lost Brian Pillman to, wait a minute. Was it Brian Pillman who died first or was it Owen Hart? I forget who died first, if it was Owen Hart or Brian Pillman. But they lost Brian Pillman to a heart attack at the age of 35. Wow. Um, Then in in 2005, they lost Eddie Guerrero to uh, heart failure. In at the age of 38, because of all the uh, because of all the alcohol and steroid abuse that he had taken uh, during his early part of his career. Um, wow. And then they lost Chris Benoit in 2007 due to a double murder suicide where he killed his uh, wife and son. Uh, before realizing what he did, and then he uh, and then he hung himself with his own uh, gym equipment. Wow. Ugh. And they attributed that to all of the multiple concussions that he had in his career, uh, which basically they said that when he died, he had the brain of an 84-year-old. God, and then we don't even have to. Because I mean, of all the... Just to, just to build on your... On, on all the evidence you're providing. And, you know, obviously Junior Sale. And then I saw a couple yeah. of hockey players where they had, were just different things, you know, suddenly just the, the trauma, the, you know, the hits and the collisions and all the brute force. It's just – so I don't know if it's uh, played into this or if it really was just COVID. You know, it sounds like he's an awesome guy. Uh, you know, gone too soon from the wrestling oh. world. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what it was? Uh, they said that basically he – uh, around WrestleMania, which was back in March and April, uh, he was removed from their plans due to contracting COVID. And basically, uh, there were complications from COVID that affected his heart, and he ended up dying from the heart attack uh, a couple of days ago. Wow. That basically COVID had severely weakened his uh, the system around his heart, basically. Man, so tough. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, uh, you know, he passed that, away at the age of thirty-six. So tough. And he was probably one of the most creative minds in this modern era of professional wrestling, like. The, some of the some of the characters that he introduced to the wrestling world, uh, like he had, like one of his characters was a cult leader. Uh, the other one was like some sort of horror, 
some sort of horror character that you would see in a horror movie uh, where it was like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde where he would be Pee Wee Herman and then it was like if Pee Wee Herman had an alter ego who then turned into Jason Voorhees. Wow. That's basically what that's basically what his second character was. And then just recently he was uh he was acting as himself. Like he referred to himself as Wyndham Rotunda, which is his real name. Um when he came back from a long hiatus. Uh and it was sort of like he was he was diving into that second character, but then, uh, but then he was, it, it's like he was being influenced from an outside, from an outside force or something. So, you know, he, he was probably the most creative wrestler that we've had, that we've had in professional wrestling over the last decade that never really got the opportunity to have a long a long term run with uh with the main title. Very unfortunate. Gone too soon. Yeah. It's it's very unfortunate. And we also lost Terry Funk, uh who was one of the one of the innovator one of the innovators of hardcore wrestling. That's the name, uh, yeah. Back in the nineties. Yeah, on Facebook I saw Rick Flair. I'm I'm a fan of his page. He's he's hilarious. He's an awesome follow. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. He had, he had a couple of classic, and then, He had a couple of classic matches with Flair too. Yeah, that's how I found out about Funk again. I knew the name, but I, I hadn't heard it in years. And I was he said gone too soon first. Uh, why and then and also my old friend Terry Funk. He had a picture of them both through the years. So I said, wow. I mean, so I guess they were both within a couple of days. Just really. Really tough. Yeah. Yeah, actually it was back to back days. Uh Funk on Wednesday and wow. uh and Wyatt on a ah. Bad But I mean the last time Funk the last time Funk was seen in a wrestling ring was he had a I believe it was a hardcore match um at ECW or I think it was E T W one night stand in 2006 uh where he had a uh he had a hardcore match i believe it was let me double check i think yeah he had a uh hardcore match uh where he teamed with with tommy dreamer and beulah mcgillicuddy uh tommy's real life wife uh in a losing effort against mick foley edge and lita uh and Funk during the match he injured his left eye uh with barbed wire and he ended up being taken backstage but he later then returned to the match with a bloody cloth tied over his eye to hit Foley with a flaming two by four wrapped in barbed wire. Wow. I mean, you want to talk about hardcore. Yeah, you know, this not. is a guy who was who was legitimate he was a legitimate hardcore wrestler in his later look, I mean, look at their, wrestling years. Look at their schedule. Look at their schedule, too. You know the deal. I mean, you, you, you're an aficionado of that sport. They, they're year-round. Like Florida, uh, Monday night, and then 
you know, wherever, Georgia Tuesday night, and yeah. then Milwaukee or Ohio Thursday night. They're going like six days a week, five days a week at least. I mean, right. a, lo- a lot of those guys are touring a lot. So they're not playing football. I'm not minimizing football by any means, but they have a really rigorous schedule of a lot of, uh, you know, really violent activity, really. It's unfortunate. Oh, yeah. I mean, it takes a toll, man. Yeah, the last time he was seen in the WWE was uh, back in 2016 where he gave a chainsaw to a wrestler named Dean Ambrose uh, in reference to his previous gimmick where he was called Chainsaw Charlie, and he would come out to the ring with a chainsaw as part of his gimmick. Um, But after that, basically... uh, he pretty much stopped making appearances after that. Um, and it, uh, according to, from what I've heard, it sounds like he died of natural causes. So um, he was living with dementia, though, in the later years of his uh, of his life. Wow. Bad. A lot of blunt force trauma, a lot of head, head wounds. You know, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, so I, I thought it was pretty good that they did a uh, that they did a dual tribute show uh, last night to the both of them. They even had uh, they had Cody Rhodes uh, speak about cool. Terry Funk, uh, considering right. the fact that Funk was very close to his father, uh, Dusty Rhodes. Nice, that's really cool. So it, it was. I mean, it, it, it just, uh, it really brought me back, like, I remember back in 2005 when I was in, like, the eighth grade, and I remember bawling when I heard about Eddie Guerrero passing away, because Eddie Guerrero at the time was one of my favorite wrestlers. And oh, yeah, he's I sort of did the same thing with Benoit in 2007, and, I mean, there's been deaths of wrestlers since then, but I don't know. It's something about Bray Wyatt hit me, basically. I, I guess maybe it's because of the fact that, you know, uh, he was dealing with mental health issues, too. So a lot of people were worried that when he went, that when he went out, uh, and that he was dealing with mental health issues, and a lot of people were worried that when he uh, when he died, that he had potentially taken his life. Oh, okay, yeah. So there were uh, the past history suggested that uh oh, maybe yeah, maybe he ended it himself. Possibly. Uh, that's yeah, what that's what some people were thinking, but. Uh, I mean, I guess luckily, but also not luckily, it was because of a heart attack. I mean, as bad as that is to say, you know, it it just sucks because, uh, you know, he never really got a chance to express his creativity under Vince McMahon. I mean, he did, but not in a... uh, you know, it, it's almost like he had a little bit of a leash on him. 
But now under Triple H, he was getting the opportunity to really, really branch out and express his creativity in many different ways. And he was supposed to have this big run uh, coming back. And unfortunately, he ended up... uh, he ended up passing away like he did. So, wow, very sad. But yeah, uh, anyways, real. we do. Yeah, it is. It, it just it just shows you that um, life can be taken away at any moment, basically. Yep, definitely. Uh, one little bit of baseball news. Uh, again, I should have I should have stayed on baseball here, but uh, the Nationals have signed manager Dave Martinez to a two-year contract extension, and also they are close to reaching a extension with General Manager Mike Rizzo as well. Which honestly, I believe this is a bit of a I think this is a bit of a surprise uh, that they're holding on to Dave Martinez. Because normally, I mean, granted, granted, he won a World Series with them. But normally, yeah. when you're going through when you're going through a rebuild, normally they want a different voice at the helm. But he's been managing uh, Washington since 2018. Interesting. But at the same time, see, I mean, they're they're starting to kind of turn it around. I mean, they're they're kind of still in the, near the cellar with the Mets, but like they've they've been much improved the past couple months. And they have young players like C.J. Abrams, the highly touted guy they got for um, for Juan Soto, the leadoff shortstop. He's right. Really, he's, he's awesome. And so he's turning it around, and then they just crushed the draft. They got, uh, what did they get, Dylan Cruz, I think, an awesome center fielder who will probably be up next year. Point being, I mean, they're, they're, coming, they're coming back around. They're going to be – they should be a lot better even next year. Don't get yeah, Cruz really is already in- got an injury. Cruz, yeah, Cruz, Cruz is already in. Uh, he he's already in Double A right now. Yeah, and then um, so I just and then they have a couple guys that they drafted that they got as uh, competition for Soto. So yeah, it's a little bit unique. You think maybe they would call on a new voice to lead the way, but he's won a ring and they're playing a lot better under him. So it's like, hey, they're giving them a shot to keep him around. You know, for the good. Not, <laughs> the, he went through the dark days after the ring with him, and now maybe they're they're soon going to be good again. Amazing, the whole NL East is getting better again, and the, the Mets are like floundering. But we'll see what their draft picks, we'll see what their compensation for Mad Max and Verlander uh, turn out to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, around the league, um, just a little tidbit: uh, the Yankees. They're, when their losing streak was extended to nine games, it's actually the longest. Since 1982, wow. I think it was. Yeah, untouchable, I guess. Boone and Cashman are like uh, and Teflon. Can't get touched. They they just keep losing. Right. It's, like, it's okay. Mediocre, I guess, in the Bronx now. It's a new it's a new fad. Well, that, I don't uh, know because Steinbrenner's son has said, uh, made it up. George Steinbrenner would be rolling in his grave. Yeah. I mean, I said this on Lou's show earlier today, but I think, if anything, I think Cashman has more of a leash than Boone does. Yeah, they'll get rid of. They got to get rid of one, so Boone will be the fall guy. I agree with that. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Cashman because because of the fact that Cashman has been in has been with the team since the '80s. Yeah, 
And I think a guy like Don Mattingly is perfect, like, to quiet down the pissed-off fans right now. They need to make some kind of change. Maybe bring back a popular Don Mattingly, someone like that, be the manager. Maybe. I know that uh, what's-his-name has been thrown out there. Uh, Joe Girardi has been thrown out there. I don't think that would be a good move. Um, I think Joe Girardi, uh, he probably should coach again, but I don't think it should be for the Yankees. I think if Buck, just now that I'm thinking, I haven't thought about Girardi's name for a year. If if Buck Showalter is not getting any younger, maybe Girardi could move over to coach the Mets. I mean, I know, I remember that that was kind of a rude – I mean, he got kind of shown the door like he wasn't really expecting to get fired when he left the Yankees. So maybe he has, right. maybe there's bad blood there. You know, maybe he doesn't even want to come back. I, he probably would, but I, I don't know. Maybe that bridge is, bridge is burned. I don't know. But, yeah, Girardi, I think Mattingly. I mean, Mattingly's never coached him. Mattingly for years was coaching the Marlins, who had no talent. Now they revamped their roster, and they'd already let go of Mattingly. I mean, they, the Marlins have a much better team than they had for the last five years. And that was weird. Like, Mattingly stayed with them for a long time, and then he got let go. So, Mattingly's available. I don't know. He didn't yeah. have much to work with for a couple of years in Miami. Also, I mean, uh, continuing, on the, uh, continuing on the stat line here, um, Alex Verdugo, with a home run today in the first inning, became the first Red Sox player in Red Sox history to lead off three straight games with a home run. It's hard to imagine, but he is actually the first player in in Red Sox history to do that. Well, Cora getting really pissed off at him and lighting him up to the media in front of everyone to hear and see. <laughs> Maybe it lit a spark under Verdugo's, uh, you know what. <laughs> now he's definitely performing. Set a record. Well, also, also don't, forget, don't forget, though, these these last two games have been against the Dodgers, the team that didn't, the the, the team that gave him oh, up for right. Mookie Betts. So did they win today? They were winning in the seventh. Uh, did they, they, did win. did they beat eight the Dodgers? Five. Yeah, eight nice. to five. Uh, Mookie so they, Betts had a chance with the bases loaded in the ninth, but uh, he flew out wow. to deep center field. Wow, deep center field, close call. So they're split so far. I'd say they played two games or three. Yeah, they're split. Yeah, they're split. Oh, that's gonna be a fun one. Is that is that uh ESPN baseball tomorrow night? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I do not know, but let me let me check right now. Finally, not the Yankees. Is need someone else on a Sunday night? I would assume it's probably. Yeah, fun. you would think with Mookie coming back to LA and then even Verdugo, like that's a good. And I mean, dude, the Dodgers are in the race. So, or sorry, the Sox. Uh, Dodgers, they love putting them on TV. Nope. You'd think it would be the nope, game. Nope. It's, uh, it's Atlanta uh, and San Francisco. Not bad. But, yeah, I would have gone Dodgers. Stop. Do they flex games like they do in the NFL where they change the schedule? Nope. If they're doing really well? Nope. No. Nope. So that's the reason. You could have a team well, your that Sox absolutely is- sucks like Oakland. You could have a team that absolutely sucks like Oakland, and if they're scheduled for Monday Night Baseball, they're scheduled for Monday Night Baseball. That's weird. Yeah, you would think with Mookie coming back to Boston, that would have been fun for a Sunday night game in Fenway. Wow. Strange. San Fran's in a spiral. But, yeah, I mean, I could understand Atlanta, yeah. but whatever. It is what it is. Uh, 
want to touch on some NHL uh, before we uh, we only have about 16 minutes to go here. Uh, veteran yeah. goaltender Jonathan Bernier has officially retired after 14 NHL seasons. Uh, he retires with a career record of 165 wins, 163 losses, and 40 overtime losses. Uh, with a career goals against average of 2.77 and a career save percentage of 91.2. Uh, he won the Stanley Cup back in 2012 with the LA Kings. And I know that I know those stats uh, don't really the win loss stats don't really look good, but uh, I should preface that he played uh, for some seasons. He played on some horrible teams. Yeah, like not I'm at all. talking the Maple Leafs. I'm talking the Maple Leafs before they got Austin Matthews. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche before they turned into the absolute beast that they are now. Uh, he played for three seasons with Detroit, who, have been, who were fucking atrocious from 2018 to 2021. And uh, he also played, he played for New Jersey back uh, last season. Well, not this past season, but uh, this past season he didn't even play. Uh, but 2021-2022, uh, he played for New Jersey for 10 games. But otherwise, uh, yeah, he played on some fucking horrible teams on some of the uh, some of the seasons that he had. Yeah, it's not his fault. So, I mean, the save percentage is good. The wins and losses, you can't, it's like the old, I mean, give up one or two goals and you lose. Do you suck for losing? Absolutely not. So he had some good, some good years. Just got stuck on some crappy rosters sometimes. Uh, I would say this, too. Uh, to show how good he is, uh, during the 2016-2017 season with the Anaheim Ducks, he had a record of... 21-7-4, which, wow. considering the team that Anaheim is, let's see. Oh, they did make the playoffs that year. They got eliminated in the conference finals that year. Uh, but considering the team that Anaheim has been since, uh, yeah. Uh, if anything, he was lucky to, to even have that record la uh, that season. Yeah, sounds like uh, also, around the league, speaking of Austin Matthews, he signed a four-year extension with Toronto worth an average annual value of $13.25 million. Toronto's general manager is on fucking crack. <laughs> if you're giving him a bigger contract annually than David Pasternak, uh, I'm sorry. No, you know, uh, this just shows that uh, Austin Austin Matthews' agent won out in the end because uh, yeah. Toronto Toronto was basically – they were facing the possibility of losing both William Nylander and Austin Matthews potentially after this upcoming season. So now that he signed this extension – 
they are going to be severely handicapped potentially because now they also have to sign Nylander to an extension. Yeah, the agent held up, held him up for ransom. It's going to bite him in the end. It seems like. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, if you do the money, but the end of don't get me wrong. You don't sign him. It's like you want to keep him, yeah. so it's like, damn, you're really going to do me like this? But the agent totally, uh, <laughs> totally screwed him. Because now, like you said, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he, I, I, I think he's worth being highly paid because he ha- he did record 60 goals uh, two seasons ago. He is worth being highly paid, but you know, while you're giving him this massive contract, you're also severely handicapping what you can do with the rest of the team. Yeah. Some of that falls uh, on some of the blame falls on the player too. I when players and the agents do that, like is he not gonna be able to eat if he doesn't get all that money? Like you gotta be able to take one to the team and allow them to sign other great players. So it's it's partially on the player too, I think, along with the agent. The agent gets a nice cut right. of that. So the agent's looking to just totally ransack and hold hold the team hostage. But the player can be like, hey, you know what? Let's chill out. Let's not totally screw my team up. But I guess he didn't. He went along with it. Right. Uh, also around the league, uh, Brandon Hagel signed a eight-year extension with the Tampa Bay Lightning worth an average annual value of $6.5 million per year. And basically what this says is uh, the Boston Bruins are going to have to pay up for Jake DeBrusque if they want to keep Jake DeBrusque. Because Hagel Hagel had a breakout year this year, 64 points in 81 games, 30 goals, 34 assists. Uh, Basically, this is the type of contract that Jake DeBrusque is going to be looking at when it comes to – contract negotiations with the uh, Boston Bruins coming up. Yeah. And if they, if they want to hang on to DeBrusque, uh, the Bruins are going to have to, uh, the Bruins are going to have to pony up cash that much. I know, but it was, yeah. you know, I do believe that this is the right, you know, for somebody who had a breakout year, like he did this year, uh, six and a half mil sounds about right for Hagel. Um, Man, Tampa—they have an affinity for eight-year deals for some reason. In that, uh, I mean, this is like the fourth eight-year deal I think they have on that team. Wow. Yeah, they hate to say goodbye, but I mean, they've had a good I mean, winning. My God, uh, a good winning formula through the years, especially recently. So. Yeah, they have. That's, that's the way they do business. Yeah, they have. They, they've definitely had a winning formula. Um, just that, you know, for a guy who this is the first time that he's gone over forty points in a season. Yeah, see that? So, I, I, agree, I agree with you there. That's a little steep. I know they don't. They like to lock up key players, but the production isn't in line with that. That's a lot of money for that production. I mean, I could see them giving him five, maybe five and a half mil per season, but I, I, I know, I know it sounds kind of weird, like, oh, what's an extra mil going to do? Uh, to be honest, a lot. An extra million could could uh, 
could be the difference between whether or not a team can afford another depth player or uh, whether a team may be forced to uh, to send somebody down and potentially ex- and, and expose them to waivers in order to clear cap space. Uh, true. Yeah, it could be a dangerous proposition for them. Yeah. And Risky. it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous uh, when it comes to NHL waivers because players can be claimed at any point once they're put on waivers. Wow. Yeah. That or not, more not at any point, but, but they, not at any point, but basically they get exposed to each of the rest of the teams and they go by order of, uh, they go by order of what their record is, what the team's record is uh, sure. in regards to whether or not the team wants to get them or not. Uh, also, the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins have signed veteran forward Alex Kieson to a professional tryout. Uh, he won the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals back in 2018, but since then he has been used as a depth forward, a, a depth, you know, fourth line forward basically uh, since he won the Cup uh, back in 2018, and. It's unfortunate for the Bruins because these are the type of players that they're now going to be forced to sign with them being uh, severely uh, up against the cap. Wow. I mean, a professional tryout is basically minimum. Matter of fact, let me look and see. How much do they earn on a PTO? Um, oh, okay. So he's just invited to training camp. He's not officially on the roster yet. Okay, so that's all that is. So if he does get signed... Um, if he does get signed, it'll probably be to like a veteran minimum deal. So like $800,000 or something, I believe is the veteran minimum. Uh, in the NBA, uh, Franz Wagner, uh, will undergo an MRI after suffering an apparent sprained ankle during Friday's 81-63 win over Japan. Uh, He suffered the injury with just under five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter for uh, for Germany. So uh, he did limp off the court, though, under his own power, but it is unknown uh, in terms of his ability for tomorrow, but uh, Germany's coach did describe the injury as a slight sprain, so maybe there's not too much to worry about for for him and also for Orlando as well, uh, who he plays for, obviously, in the NBA. Um, Montrez Harrell, he officially underwent surgery to repair the torn ACL and meniscus in his right knee, so he is out for he is out indefinitely probably out for the season for uh philadelphia and speaking of philadelphia 
the NBA has launched an inquiry into the situation regarding James Harden's public admonishment of Daryl Morey. And whether or not, and whether or not Harden is violating the league's CBA, uh, though Harden has made it clear that his comments were regarding the 76ers ending trade discussions with other teams. Uh, also, the NBA has fined him $100,000 for his recent comments about Daryl Morey. Gosh. Wherever he goes, there's trouble. The chemistry exactly. killer himself. The chemistry killer himself, Mr. Harden. Mr. Malcolm. It's basically, it's basically like uh, no, uh, you know, there, there can't be an NBA season without some sort of uh, – <laughs> Some sort of drama with him. <laughs> yes. It's like part of his DNA. He just has to have drama. Kyrie, Kyrie Oh, also, there is an update, by the way, on Bronny James. Uh, in particular, it said that he, uh, he was diagnosed with a congenital heart, basically the same thing that, uh, that Shaq's uh, son has. Um. And that is apparently what caused the cardiac arrest uh, during, his, during his practice. Uh, but the, the family is very confident that he will make a full recovery and return to basketball in the near future. That's good news. It sounds like it's treatable. So not they've identified it, they can keep it in check. Right. With the proper medication and whatnot. That's good news. So it's a, yeah, it's very good news. Uh, but with that being said, we are reaching the end of our show tonight. Um, just a reminder for anybody who is interested in talking some sports. Uh, if you're listening, obviously on the archives, you can join the Sports Whispers group by going to facebook.com/groups/sportswhispers. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or subscribing on any of our major podcast networks like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on and so forth. Uh, also, a reminder for Big Brother fans, uh, we will have the Big Brother Recap Podcast next Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And also for Survivor fans, we will have probably the Survivor recap show uh, coming up as soon as Survivor starts up. And I believe I'm going to talk to Jim about the cast assessment and when that may be. So uh, stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com slash AE for that. But uh, I do want to thank Lou, Alex, and Diane for joining me tonight. Uh, We will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night. Great show. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.